brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. About five minutes past the hour of two o'clock. The sun is now shining here in downtown Salt Lake City, Utah. We got hit with a bunch of rain this morning, but as it is every day, it's good to have you along for the ride. Spence Jackets behind the mic. That's Porter Larson behind the glass on this jam-packed Wednesday afternoon. You know, once upon a time, it took like a couple of weeks after the finals for the NBA rumor mill to heat up. But over the past 12 hours or so, We're hearing rumors about Bradley Beal. We're hearing rumors about Brandon Ingram. We're hearing rumors about Zion Williamson. No, not those rumors. The rumors that he might be on the move. What about Dame Lillard? What does this mean for the offseason for the Utah Jazz? We're eight days away from the NBA draft. So we'll talk a little draft on the show today. We'll talk some NBA offseason on the show today with uh, a bunch of good NBA guests. Uh, So there are already a ton of rumors circulating Uh, that at least three or four teams in the top 10 are looking to move their pick. Have to imagine that Danny Ainge and Justin Zanuck are on the phone, seeing if they can potentially move up, maybe even into that top three. You know, uh, a lot of scouts that do this full-time and analyze these young prospects believe this really is, uh, well, a one-tier draft with Wembenyama at one, but then Miller and Henderson two and three are also thought to be franchise pillars, potentially. It's always risky to trade what you know you have for what you hope you might get. So we'll see if anything actually goes down. We do live in the era of smoke screens and agents being friends with media members and trying to further their agenda for their clients. So how much of this is real? It's hard to tell how much of this is just smoke. Uh, You never really know. So we'll get to all of the rumors. What does it mean for the Utah Jazz? Who can make a deal for Bradley Beal? 
And uh, we'll get to as much of that as we can on the program today. Uh, weird news, weird story, I should say, out of Buffalo. Uh, obviously, this time of year with mandatory minicamps, anything involving the NFL garners a ton of attention. Stephon Diggs is actually back at practice today after missing yesterday. Uh, Josh Allen trying to be the leader and the front-facing quarterback has taken responsibility. I don't know what it means, uh, but he is back at, at Bill's minicamp today after missing yesterday. We are one day away from the U.S. Open in Los Angeles for the first time in 75 years. It has not been in Los Angeles for 75 years. It has never been at the L.A. Country Club, which is where it's going to be. We will get you ready for the U.S. Open on the show today and talk about a bunch of different storylines around the world of golf. The ESPN Daily Podcast today was with Mark Schlebaugh, who uh, basically outlined his understanding of the timeline of how the I'm just going to keep saying it like the Saudis bought pro golf. Sorry. So he called a merger, call it a partnership. But uh, it, 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 it certainly appears there's much more to this than any of us fully understand. And speaking of which, Jay Monahan uh, apparently has been it's being characterized as sidelined as with a medical condition. I didn't know he was playing. It's a weird, weird way to uh, to uh, describe what's going on with Jay Monahan, who's the current commissioner of the PGA and eventually will be the CEO of whatever this whole thing looks like. Uh, so he at this point will not be at the U.S. Open because he is undergoing some treatment for what's being called a medical issue. I can't imagine the stress and anxiety and emotion and energy and regret. And I, I mean, I'm sure Jay Monahan has gone through the ringer over the past you know, 10 days or so. So we'll talk a little bit about that on the show today. RSL back in action coming up this weekend in D.C. Uh, Chicho Arango is on the ground training. We talked to Pablo Mastroni yesterday. We're going to talk to Elliot Fall today and get you ready for RSL D.C. Back to league play. Obviously, Open Cup still out there as the semifinals are not going to be until August. I'll continue to say this into a microphone because I think it's ridiculous. There is a chance that Lionel Messi will be playing soccer in Sandy, Utah. Should Miami handle their business and RSL handle theirs? RSL could potentially be in a position to host the final of the U.S. Open Cup. And if Miami advances, uh, then we will potentially have Lionel Messi in Utah. It's just the weirdest thing. So... We'll bring Elliot on a little bit later. We are going to start off today with Tony Jones. It's been a minute since we've been able to catch up with Tony. I think he did hop on the show when I was out a couple of weeks ago. Tony, of course, known around these parts as the Jazz beat writer for The Athletic. He has been spending the past month or so with the Denver Nuggets. And uh, Tony will be good with some of these rumors and get us ready for the NBA draft. And Barclays coming up next Friday. So we'll bring Tony in today. The final NBA Daily Assist, at least for a minute, I'm sure we'll bug our guy Tim McMahon throughout the course of the offseason, but Tim will hop on today. It's always always a little uh, always a little sad when the NBA season ends and we've got to say goodbye to our consistent NBA Daily Assist guests, but like I said, busy offseason ahead, so I'm sure we'll have Tim on incrementally, but as far as consistently, we'll set some of these guys loose, so Tim McMahon's going to hop on today after Tony does. The host of the Round Ball Roundup podcast for our friends over at the Utah Jazz digital team, JP, John Paul Chunga, the former producer of this radio show, does, doing a great job over with the Jazz. He released a new pod today with Steve Wojcikowski, the new head coach of the Stars. 
and he's going to have a bunch for the draft, obviously. Summer League right around the corner, so we'll grab JP today as well. Cam Rogers, one of our favorites to talk golf. We'll stop by to talk U.S. Open. Brooks Kepka, Rory McIlroy together in the first group, or I should say in a group together during the first round. Tony Finau, Patrick Cantlay, Scotty, uh, no, excuse me, Jordan Spieth. So obviously we'll be watching Tony closely, pulling for him, and he's in one of the marquee groups to start things off. We'll talk about some of the angles, some of the betting favorites, and we'll see who Cam thinks will win the U.S. Open. We'll get you ready for what should be a really exciting tournament starting tomorrow in Los Angeles. And then the aforementioned Elliot Fall will be our guest a little bit later on. So we have Tony Jones, we have Tim McMahon, we have J.P. Chunga, Cam Rogers, Elliot Fall, me, Spence Jackets, all of you, the great listeners, and that guy in there, Porter Larson, on a Wednesday. I'm I'm serious, man. The rumor mill in the NBA used to take some time. Mm-hmm. The the season ended like 48 hours ago, and now there's like six or seven all pros, potential all pros, that are rumored to be on the move. It's pretty insane what we're hearing already. Yeah, yeah. Basketball never sleeps, and that's only more true in this uh, this new age of 24/7 media, right? Um, guys aren't going to waste time when. It's kind of a, a league of player empowerment now, right? When you can control parts of, of where you play and, and the the perspective in which you're seen, uh, you're going to do it um, and, and maybe use your agent or certain media sources to do so. I think that's what we're seeing. And yeah, no no waste of time to, to, to get to it this offseason. And frankly, there isn't much time to waste. NBA draft is right around the corner. And I'm sure a lot of teams are, are wanting to be active with uh, with how top-heavy and, and talented that draft is. No doubt. So as I referenced, I mean, so much of this certainly could be smoke screens. But, you know, when it comes to being a Sports Talk radio host, you love some of the stuff and you hope it comes down because it makes for great stories. And that's what you cheer for. You cheer for great stories. So Tony Jones will bat leadoff on a Wednesday as we get you halfway through your work week and one day closer to the weekend. But before we get to Tony, courtesy of our good friends and your good friends too at Jersey Mike's, go to jerseymikes.com for all their locations across the Wasatch Front. It's time now for your opening tip. Welcome to The Drive with Spence Checkett on Utah's number one sports talk. Now, into the studios of ESPN 700 to set the scene for the show. The opening tip in The Drive is brought to you by Jersey Mike's. With two dozen locations in Utah, Jersey Mike's is a sub above. Order online at jerseymikes.com. Will the Utah Jazz get involved with any of the rumors that we're hearing of star players that are either disgruntled or teams that are looking to move on from said players? So, over the past 12 hours or so, according to some of the big-time news uh, breakers in the NBA, uh, it's it seems to be a pretty poorly kept secret that the New Orleans Pelicans are trying to move up to number three, where the Portland Trailblazers have been rumored to be willing to move on from either three or Dame Lillard. We're not sure what that's going to look like. Even some smoke out there that Charlotte would entertain moving on from number two for the right pieces in return. Uh, There's some smoke around Indiana at seven, uh, Dallas at 10 as well. So a lot of the teams in the top 10, Uh, are either rumored to be moving on from a very valuable draft pick or potentially be willing to move on from a very valuable player. So let's just kind of review some of this stuff and talk about it from a Jazz perspective, whether or not it makes sense. 
we've already talked about as, as soon as the rumors started to surface that Portland, who lucked in, had a little lottery luck and moved into number three in the draft, suddenly, uh, not too long after that went down, the rumors started swirling that uh, if it goes Wembanyama one and Brandon Miller two and Scoot Henderson is there at three, a player who a lot of scouts have drawn comparisons to Damian Lillard with, will they move on from either three or Dame? No one exactly knows how that's going to go down. Uh, the sad truth, if you're a Jazz fan, that if you want to get the number three pick, and I've, I, I've looked at this from a bunch of different angles, we've had conversations with a bunch of our NBA guests, it's going to cost you marketing. I, I, and I don't know that there's anything else that gets that done. Um, me personally, I would do that. That's just me. Uh, although Laurie was incredibly entertaining and fun to watch play here and evolve here. He's on a tremendously affordable contract. Uh, I just believe in uh, upside when it comes to people who I trust and people who I listen to and read when they talk about Scoot, Scoot Henderson. I think it's safe to say that I, I don't know how much improvement we can expect from Lowry because he was so good last year. If he's just that, and that's what I anticipate moving forward. I don't think we'll see some massive dip. I, I think the Jazz found something in Lowry marketing. I think Lowry himself found something as being more of a featured role player, uh, a role he did not have in Chicago or Cleveland. But really, what's the upside moving forward? I think you found yourself an excellent number two. That's what I believe with Lowry marketing. I think if Lowry played alongside a transcendent generational talent, and of course you got to fill in the holes around him, then you got something. What you don't have on the roster right now, at least in my opinion, is that guy that can be generational. And yes, it's nice to have good pieces that fit in where you put them, and you need players to star in their roles, not just stars starring as stars. You need players that star in their own specific roles. We just saw it with Denver. But for all the love that Aaron Gordon is getting and all the love that Jamal Murray is getting and Michael Porter Jr. and Bruce Brown and Christian Brown, for all the love they're getting, they're not even a playoff team without Nikola Jokic. And so I thought Tim Bontemps yesterday was really good with this. Uh, in order for the Jazz to pull a Denver, and Denver just became uh, a first-time championship winner, there are now 10 teams in the NBA currently that have never won a championship, and the Jazz are one of them. And if the Jazz want to join that group alongside the Denver Nuggets, uh, ultimately, they're just going to have to find a way to find that one generational piece that, honestly speaking, I don't think we've had here since John and Carl were here. It's 25 years. Darren was awesome for about four or five years. You know, all-star, uh, a guy that uh, for a minute looked like a cornerstone, for a minute looked like a really, really, uh, you know, intriguing piece that maybe could evolve to a cornerstone dominant franchise player. He never quite got there here, and then everything went down with he and Jerry, and we know the deal there. Uh, they, they traded Darren. They moved on. They decided to pivot, and you know Kevin O'Connor got a bunch of great pieces in exchange for Darren Williams. Uh, Derek Favors, a bunch of draft picks and others. But Darren never turned into the cornerstone that a lot of people thought that he was going to. I think Hayward may have been on his way, but we know the deal. He bounced. He got hurt. Never ful fulfilled his potential. And I am still very skeptical that Donovan Mitchell is ever going to, as Greg Popovich says, get over himself and learn to win in the postseason. I, I, he's 26 years old, so he could certainly evolve, develop, learn, learn lessons, and maybe at some point understand that it, it's his own ego that continues to get in his way. 
But I don't view Donovan as like a cornerstone franchise piece. I don't. I think he's probably top 15-ish. Yes, the regular season stuff this year was great. He made second team All-NBA. Happy for him. Go get your money. But when it comes to winning playoff basketball, you can have Donovan. Not really interested. And look, Gobert at his peak may have been a top 20 type guy. And I know the numbers, geeks. I know the numbers, nerds. Don't tweet at me. I, I know the effect he had on winning. I know the rebound percentage, the defensive rating, all the things that everybody shoved down our throat for years with Gobert here. Uh, he certainly had an impact and will continue to have an impact on winning. But the fact of the matter is, in my opinion, the Utah Jazz, historically speaking, as a franchise, if you want to include Pistol, you can include Pistol Pete. But for our purposes here in Salt Lake, we've had two generationally special players in the history of the organization. And they played together. It was John and Carl. And it's no coincidence that that was the closest that the Jazz ever were to actually winning an NBA championship, just ran up against Michael Jordan. So if it was me, I would trade Lowry Marketing for the number three pick. I'm not making the decisions. I don't think they would do that. I think they really like what they found with Lowry. And we'll have to see what happens with Scoot. But if Scoot evolves into a generationally special cornerstone for an NBA franchise, this could be an opportunity that people look back on and shake their head and say, we woulda, coulda, shoulda. And here's the other thing. If the Pelicans are willing to move on from either Zion Williamson or Brandon Ingram for number three, and the Jazz aren't willing to move on from Markinen for number three, then I think we have a real conversation to be had. Brandon Ingram, 26 years old, 25, 5, and 5, all of 6'10", 6'11". You know, people call him Kevin Durant light, and he actually is, unlike Nuggets fans who think that's Michael Porter Jr. I mean, ultimately, Brandon Ingram's probably the closest thing we have to a peak Kevin Durant. Yes, there have been injury issues, but by all accounts, everybody who spends time around Brandon Ingram applauds his commitment to the game of basketball, and those injuries simply have just been bad luck. Obviously, there's the Zion stuff, too. In the first year of a max contract that they signed Zion to on January, excuse me, July 1st of last year, like there was no negotiation. The Pelicans felt like they had seen enough. They know who he is as a player when he's healthy. And so they maxed him out and he just can't stay on the floor. So if you're Portland, are you willing to take that chance? I think you do with Ingram. I mean, if, if the Pelicans called and offered Ingram for three, I think you do that without even thinking about it. The Zion stuff is interesting because he just simply can't stay on the floor. I, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens there, but that's not the only rumor that's out there. There are reports that Houston might take calls with four. There are reports that Indiana might take calls for seven. And then we get to eight where the Washington Wizards are. And Bradley Beal, who is a really good player, and folks around the league have long been wondering. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. 
Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Why Bradley Beal has just been stubborn about staying in Washington when they clearly are not a good organization, they're not well run, the owner seems to be absentee, the general manager can't seem to figure anything out consistently, and they simply have not been able to win anything exciting. You know, made, they made the playoffs one year when they kind of signed an aging Paul Pierce. Like Bradley Beal, for a long time, for me, has felt like he needs somebody to rescue him from a really bad organization. And now, according to both Adrian Wojnarowski and Sham Sharania, the Washington Wizards are currently in discussions with Beal and his camp to work out a trade. Now, here's where it gets complicated. Bradley Beal is the only player in the NBA without a, with a no-trade clause. It used to be more commonplace, and now it doesn't happen much because, honestly, it really puts an organization in a bad spot. But LeBron doesn't have one. Durant doesn't have one. Steph doesn't have one. Brad Beal has a no-trade clause, which makes it somewhat sticky to figure out the right landing spot because if you're Bradley Beal, you don't want the team you're going to giving up everything in order to acquire you because then you're surrounded by bad pieces. But if you're Washington and you're going to give up the guy that's been the cornerstone of your franchise, you want a fair haul in return. So it'll be really interesting to see how that goes down. Finally, before we catch a break, for the first time, at least from my recollection, Damian Lillard is giving interviews and talking about other teams that he would like to play for, potentially. He's always been, as he says, 10 toes down in Portland. But the Miami stuff has to be real. If you're the Miami Heat, I think you feel like this last run was a little bit found money. 20 bucks in the back of your jean pocket when you take it out of the washer, right? They're, I think, fifth in the East as far as odds to win the East next year. And yes, you know, with uh, the way that Miami was able to do what they just did, I I think a lot of people would probably assume they'll be in a better spot next year. Jimmy Butler needed help, and maybe he had that in the form of Tyler Hero. Hero couldn't go. He was hurt. But I wouldn't be stunned if Pat Riley... And Eric, Spol- Eric Spolster and the Miami Heat have already inquired about whether or not Portland would move on from Dame Lillard. So what do the Jazz do? I mean, the Jazz are in a really advantageous spot right now because they have a ton of draft capital that they can utilize for themselves or for trades. They've got a tremendous amount of cap space. We don't know what the number is. We have to wait on some of the roster construction decisions. But it's going to be at least $30 million, if not more, depending on what happens with Horton Tucker and Clarkson, and Gay, and Jones, and there's a partial guarantee for Kelly Olenek. So we don't know what the number is as of right now. But the other thing about draft capital currently, and we just saw this with a trade that Denver made with OKC, big spending teams are going to have to recalibrate the way that they do business and the, the, the way they operate, because the days of the Clippers and the Nets and the Warriors and the Suns being able to write checks for four or five big-time near-max guys, those are done. And so what Denver elected to do, what Calvin Booth elected to do, is he acquired draft capital from OKC because he realizes they're probably going to lose Bruce Brown, who's going to go get paid. But they're going to have to surround Jokic, Murray, Gordon, and Porter Jr. with a bunch of affordable young talent on rookie deals. So they just acquired a bunch of picks. And I promise you there are a bunch of teams that have probably already inquired about current and future Jazz draft picks because they know – they're going to have to surround their expensive talent with young, inexpensive players via the draft. So we'll have to see. The Jazz are in a good spot. I, I mean, with all these rumors going around, I'm sure Danny and Justin are fielding and making a ton of phone calls as transaction season appears to have begun. 
All right, coming up on the other side, Tony Jones stops by. We'll continue this conversation on a Wednesday, so keep it right here on ESPN 700. Fresh out the gate again. Time to All right, we got uh, Tim McMahon hopping on, coming up for his final NBA Daily Assist hit. We'll probably bug him throughout the course of the offseason. JP, John Paul Chunga, a new Round Ball Roundup podcast is available for your listening pleasure. It's Steve Wojcikowski, the new head coach of the Stars. Then Cam Rogers to preview the U.S. Open and Elliott Fall for a little RSL. But batting leadoff today. It's been a minute since we've been able to catch up with our guy. You know him as the Jazz Beat writer for The Athletic, but he has been on the Nuggets tip for the past little bit. He is Tony Jones on a Wednesday. Tony, happy Wednesday, buddy. How are you? Happy Wednesday. <clears throat> Sorry. Happy Wednesday, my guy. So tell me what that experience was like. I mean, obviously, you've been doing this for a long time, but you had a front row seat, and your task was to cover the team that just ran through the league and won the NBA championship, man. What was that like? Yeah, it was pretty fun watching them. Um, Cause it's, it's a really good basketball team and, and they, you know, the stars align for them and they, they play as close to perfect basketball as you can get on uh, this postseason. They went 16 and four. Um, you know, they were, I mean, I don't even think that Phoenix challenged them. I didn't think at any point in that series that the Nuggets, uh, were in danger of losing that series. I thought that no matter what happened, uh, Phoenix wasn't going to have enough gas in the tank to win a game seven in Denver. Um, and obviously they weren't challenged at all by, by the Lakers, the Timberwolves or, or the heat. So, um, you know, it, it's, you got to tip your cap to them. Um, Nikola Jokic was absolutely historically good. Uh, Jamal Murray was, I, I mean, I think he was also historically good. I mean, um, you know, there was only one series to me um, where, you know, um, they looked like they, they had any semblance uh, of competition. And obviously that was Phoenix and Devin Booker and Kevin Durant had to go God mode uh, in order to get two off of them. And, and LeBron James went God mode in game game four of the Western Conference Finals and the Lakers still couldn't get, get one off of them. So um, they were far and away the best team in the NBA in, in, in the postseason. And, and as it proved, they were far and away the best team, team in the NBA in the regular season. All right, Tone. So here's my question. I'm going to layer it a little bit and then give you the space to do your thing. Uh, as you know, the two... You okay? Tony, you there? Me? Yeah, you all right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm good. Sounded like you just did a cannonball into a pool. So I just want to make sure you're good. Um, the, really? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's, uh, look, cell phone stuff, you know how it goes. But... They're probably going to lose yeah. Bruce Brown. He's going to get paid. They can only offer him, I think, 7-5 or whatever. Uh, they've got a couple of aging pieces in Green and Caldwell Pope. But their core, their core four, are 28 or under and all under contract. Okay, so, look, ultimately, things happen every offseason that change the landscape of the league. So there are rumors around Beal and Williamson and Dame. You know the deal. But as of now, Tony, it feels like Denver has a chance to go on – I hesitate to use the word dynasty after one championship, but I don't know who stands in their way, assuming full health for the next little bit. So does it feel like from your vantage point, watching them up, them up close, that they have a chance to go on a pretty special run? And if not, who in the West can stop them again, assuming full health and everybody's okay. I'm not sure I'm willing to go there yet. Um, You know, I think if you give the Lakers a full season, 
and you give that upgrades or because with the Lakers series, it, this is going to sound crazy. I mean, it was a sweep, but it was a close series. And in the sense that the Lakers lost every last one of those games in the minutes that they played in the minutes that they played D'Angelo, D'Angelo Russell, if they had, if they had just eliminated D'Angelo Russell from the rotation and put you or I in the rotation, they might've won two games in that series. That's how destructive to the Lakers D'Angelo was in that series. So if you give the Lakers uh, a full season, LeBron's not playing on one foot in the playoffs like he was playing in this playoffs. Um, and you give them, you know, bargain basement upgrades, which means they have the 17th pick in this year's NBA draft. You know, I think they can get closer. Uh, I obviously think Milwaukee's going to be there. I think Boston is going to be there. Um, I just think that there are so many good teams and so much talent in this league. Um, and, you know, things, everything went Denver's way this year. Um, they got the number one seed. They remained healthy. Um, they, they had continuity on their side. Um, the rest of the West, you know, kind of had an upheaval around them. You know, there was John Morant in Memphis. <clears throat> there was the Lakers, obviously, uh, switching streams in mid midseason. Uh, there was the Warriors not having Wiggins for two months. Um, there was the Suns trading for Kevin Durant. There were just so many things around them uh, that turned out to be advantageous to the Nuggets. Uh, I think that they're going to be there next year. I think they'll be there. They're, I think they'll be one of a handful of teams that uh, can certainly win a title next year. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't take. I certainly wouldn't take them against the field. Um, I would say that they're one of the favorites to, to 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 win it. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, around the league and in the landscape of the league uh, this summer. The off season is about to start uh, in a few weeks. Well, next week uh, with the draft officially. Um, but but I do think that there are a lot of teams there, and there are enough teams there where we can't automatically just say uh, the Nuggets are going to be a dynasty or the Nuggets are going to run off two in a row or, or three and four years or four and six years or something like that. Obviously, we just witnessed a historic playoff run uh, from Nikola Jokic. Uh, I wonder, Tony, now that you've had a chance to uh, be up close, watch him up close, interview him, witness who he is as a player and as a person, how do you frame that conversation about who Jokic is and just what special player he appears to be? Yeah, he's one of the two best players in the world right now. I mean, you know, I wouldn't put him head and shoulders above Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think that both of those guys are right there. Um, I think, you know, one is better defensively than the other and one is better offensively than the other. Uh, but they're two special forces. Um, you know, so, you know, right now, I mean, it's, it's pretty much their league, which is kind of special, you know, seeing that those guys are, are international guys. And, you know, when's the last time that we could say, uh, that the two best players in the league were both international guys. So, you know, he was, you know, he got to the point this year, this this offseason where he was just unguardable. Somebody asked me, you know, before the Heat series, well, what can he do with Nikola Jokic? And my answer was nothing. Uh, there's absolutely nothing you can do. Um, you know, you can limit how much he makes plays for others, uh, which makes Denver, which puts Denver at its most dangerous. Uh, because when he has 25 points, 15 rebounds, and 10 assists, that means Michael Porter Jr. is going. That means Jamal Murray's going. Uh, that means Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Aaron Gordon are going. 
where the rest of the NBA lost this championship to the Nuggets wasn't with Nikola Jokic per se. Obviously, he was heads and shoulders the best player in the playoffs. It was the fact that the league could not turn off Jamal Murray's water. He cooked everybody. And the fact that Jokic had, you know, 28 to 30 points a night with Jamal Murray on top of his production, that's what made the Nuggets unstoppable. Um, You know, so it it was one of those things where Nikola Jokic uh, was so far and away the most dominant player in the postseason, but he also had uh, just a special run from Jamal Murray as well. And that's what made uh, that those two factors plus uh, Denver being the best defense in the league during the playoffs uh, by far. That's, that's what won the, won the, the NBA title for the Nuggets. All right, we'll end with Jazz stuff. But before we get to the Jazz stuff, let's talk about some of the NBA rumors that have surfaced over the past 24 hours. You know, it's it, it's funny, Tony. It, it used to take some time for rumors to get going. Season just ended a couple of days ago. But here we are with the reports from both Shams and Woj that the Wizards are now working in concert with Brad Beal, who has that no-trade clause, to find a new home. For him Now, we know who he is when he's right. He's obviously a bit older than he used to be, and he's got a big number. It's a max contract. How do you think this ends? Where do you think Brad Beal ultimately lands? Yeah, I mean, you know, both um, Adrian and, and Sham touched on it, but um, the, the overwhelming feeling around the league is that he ends up in Miami. Um, you know, it just kind of really makes sense. Miami's obviously shown a willingness to take on older players with big contracts, you know, see Kyle Lowry. Uh, they have a tradable piece in, in Tyler hero uh, and they have first round picks and, you know, it's Brad Beal. So it doesn't matter, you know, how low those first round picks are it's still Brad Beal. You know, this is not a superstar that we're talking about. This is a starter we're talking about, but that being said, he's, I think he's capable of being an offensive hub on a championship team like Miami where, you know, there's so much balance, there's so much defense, uh, and where they know how to, you know, drag an opponent down in the mud. And, and um, you know, Jimmy Butler needs needs help. You know, he ran out of gas uh, around game five or six of that Boston series. He didn't have, you know, the Jimmy Butler that we saw in the, in the finals was not the Jimmy Butler uh, that we saw in Miami, against Miami or against, uh, or against my New York Knicks, our New York Knicks. So, um, you know, Bradley Bill, somebody who can uh, still be an offensive hub. He can still, um, he can still, you know, carry a team uh, on the ball. Uh, he's somebody who's got one of the best mid-range games in the league. Uh, he fits Miami uh, really well in terms of what they what they run offensively, what they look at off, what they look for offensively, and he'll fit in. They they have enough defense around him uh, that they can make up for some of his short, shortcomings. All right, over to several outlets uh, have reported that the Pelicans are seriously considering whether or not Zion Williamson has the ability, I suppose, just to be healthy. I mean, we know who he is when he's right, uh, but there have been far too few spurts of full health throughout the course of his first few years in the league. So uh, any intel there uh, where New Orleans head is at with Zion or maybe even Brandon, Brandon Ingram with the rumors they're looking to move up to three in the draft? Well, not per se intel, but if I'm Charlotte, I'm just passing on that. Um, you know, unless you're throwing me Zion Williamson, uh, Trey Murphy, uh, your 12th pick or wherever New Orleans is picking this year, 
uh, plus two first-round picks in the future. I'm not trading for Zion Williamson. Uh, he's shown um, he's shown zero uh, ability to stay on the floor uh, past 30 or 40 games this year. Uh, his unprofessionalism is is very striking, uh, and that's one of the reasons why he hasn't been able to stay on the floor uh, because he won't do the things uh, to to control his weight and to control himself physically. Um, you know, obviously. You know, he's had that latest scandal. I'm not going to get into it, but he's had that latest scandal. And, you know, you can look at um, you can look at him and you can say that he hasn't developed uh, the things uh, that are going to keep him as a great player once he starts to break down physically. And I think he's going to start to break down physically by the time he's 27 or 28 years old because uh, you just can't sustain um, that kind of athleticism uh, if you keep showing up at 320 pounds. So, you know, he hasn't gotten a jump shot yet. Uh, he's very, very good off the dribble. He's a very, very good passer. Uh, but the force that he plays with, you know, all of that's going to go away by 30 at the, at, the, at the latest. So are you telling me that um, grab trading for Zion Williamson at this point is more valuable than just drafting Scoot Henderson and having seven or eight years uh, of of uh, team control, or drafting Brandon Miller and having seven or eight years of team control, uh, and if if I'm the g- general manager of the Charlotte Hornets, my answer is no. Does Zion Williamson play for the Pelicans next year? Um, if he's in New Orleans, I would presume that he does. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't presume that he plays very much. This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Every day, we rise challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Um, Because we haven't seen him play very much. Uh, he's played, I believe he's played something like 37% of his available games in his career. And, you know, that's just uh, not a not a good number uh, for somebody, uh, for a team who's um, invested as much uh, in a player as New Orleans has invested in Zion Williamson. So, you know, I, I, I would assume that he plays, um, but I'll assume that he plays, you know, 30 or 40 games and, and then calls it a year. And then in those 30 or 40 games, he'll average 25 and, and 12 rebounds and, and six or seven assists. And, you know, and then he'll sit out the next 40 and, and then New Orleans will miss the playoffs again. Do we need to start calling Zion red hot? Steal your nickname? No, because I was never that irresponsible. <laughs> well, it could, close. Could, close. It, could, it could be his own moniker, not yours. I'm just wondering. I, if I was never, I was, well, not that I, not that I ever had this, um, not that I ever had that uh, that option, but I'm I was never paying 
somebody $20,000 to be with me. All right. Or $20,000 a month or whatever it was. Okay. I'm glad we cleared that up. All right. Let's move over. Let's move over to the jazz now. Um, You know, a bunch of stuff out there. We're still waiting to hear uh, what the situation will be for the guys that have options. You know, Clarkson, Horton Tucker, Rudy Gay, uh, Jones as well. So let's start there. Any, any idea where, you know, we're at with these potential players either picking up their own option or deciding to test the market? Um, my educated guess, um, just from, you know, conversations that I had, my, that I've had my educated guess, and this is just an educated guess, uh, it's not a report, is that um, uh, Damon Jones picks up his option, uh, Rudy Gay picks up his option, um, Jordan Clarkson does not pick up his option, um, and Taylor Horton Tucker, I'm going to lean pick up his op- picks up his option, but you know I, I I certainly do think there's a world where he doesn't pick up his option because because of how strong strongly he ended last season. So you know we'll see where that happens. Um, I do think that you know once Rudy Gay opts into to his number, um, I think that his because his number is now. Uh, becomes a um, um, uh, and now becomes uh, oh my god what's the word that I want to use uh, the contract is in its last year um, you know now that that his number his contract's going into his last year uh, he can be traded a little bit easier than he could have been last year or the year before um, so you know uh, I think that the Jazz like Damian Jones as 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 a third center or a backup center, I think that uh, he he acquitted himself uh, really well last year, uh, and I think the Jazz really like Taylor Horton Tucker as well. All right, so uh, again, it is uh, the time of year where there's a lot of smoke screens, there's a lot of misinformation, and so there's a ton of noise surrounding the Jazz uh, as we're eight days away from the draft. Mark Stein has reported that they're shopping. 16 and 28 to try to move up. They appear to like nine. Uh, where, what, what's your understanding of where we're at right now with the jazz planning this off season and where their heads are at leading up to the draft? Um, I would say that, you know, the jazz um, really like nine. They really like 16. They think that they can get uh, real value, uh, really good players at both of those spots. I think that they're open to trading up if, um, if the cost isn't too, they're not going to give away the store um, to, to to trade up, and um, you know, so um, I think that they will have conversations um, uh, leading up to next week's draft, and I think that there are a plethora of players that they like at nine. Um, all names who I've heard, all names who I think would be really, really good players for the Jazz, really good fits for the Jazz and players that the Jazz can develop into really special talents uh, if they hit, if they 100% hit their development ceiling. So uh, I do know that they've had some, some really um, uh, big names in over the last few weeks. Uh, and, you know, guys who would fit at nine, guys who would fit at 16 as well. Um, you know, uh, but, you know, saying that, you know, they're offering this and this or something specific, um, there hasn't been any specific offers as of yet. It's just been all um, general conversation at this point. Any idea whether or not the Jazz are in the mix for that number three pick potentially, Tom? 
I would say no. From what I've heard, um, Portland's uh, offer offer ask is is pretty astronomical at this point. All right, so let's hone in on nine. Uh, I want you to give me just, just give me I don't know four or five names of players that you've watched and analyzed that could potentially be there at nine, and then. I want you to give me one name that you would characterize as best case scenario should that prospect fall and be there at number nine. You're not going to like my answer, um, and I'm not dodging it. So let me just give it, and I promise you I'm not dodging this answer. Um, There are five guys who are likely to one way or another um, be one of those out of, there's a group of five and out of your group of five, there's one, there will be one guy out of those five who will likely be there, be there at nine for the jazz to pick. Um, uh, for now I'm going to exclude Armin Thompson. Although, you know, I, I'm, you know, there, there is a small world where he's available either at nine or, or somewhere close enough to nine where the jazz might be able to make a play for him. But the five are Sore Thompson, Cam Whitmore, uh, Anthony Black, Jarris Walker, and Taylor Hendricks. I have all of those guys in the same tier. And this is what I mean. All of those guys, the Jazz can draft any one of those guys. And like I just said, you know, a couple minutes ago, if those guys hit 100% hit their development ceiling, we're talking about an all-star or even an all-NBA ceiling. Uh, Asar Thompson and Anthony Black are guys that I think that uh, uh, can be developed in the point guards for the Jazz. Anthony Black is 6'8", uh, kind of does everything outside of shoot the basketball. Asar Thompson uh, is this the other Thompson twin, 6'7". Uh, he's a small forward by trade, but I think he has the, the, the acumen, uh, the IQ, the ability to read and pick and roll, the athleticism and the ball handling to develop into a league guard. Uh, Taylor Hendricks and Jarris Walker, for me, are kind of the same guy, just a little bit different uh, skill sets. They are your prototypical power forward in today's game in terms of they both protect the rim, but they also both uh, defend on the perimeter, very, very similar to Aaron Gordon in Denver. Um, the, you know, the difference offensively is that Jarris Walker offensively is a little bit like Paul Millsap in terms of puts the ball on the floor. Uh, he's a playmaker. Um, and, you know, he's a connector. While Taylor Hendricks is more in the 3 and D mold, he's going to shoot uh, 35 to 40% from three-point range. Um, um, but he's not going to put the ball on the floor and be a connector or be a playmaker for you. So, And Cam Whitmore is six foot seven, 235 pounds. He's kind of your prototypical small forward physically. Uh, he's a physical freak. Uh, he's one of the best athletes in the draft. He has an NBA-ready body. Uh, he can score. He has self-creation tro- chops, uh, but he doesn't create for others. Um, his playmaking at Villanova was downright bad, um, and he's not a defender at this point, but he's somebody who, if he hits 100% of his development ceiling, he's that small forward. Um, that goes out and just gives you 25 points, uh, 10 rebounds, three, four assists, uh, in a playoff setting on every night. So one of those five guys are very likely to be at nine for the Jazz. And the Jazz would be uh, very 
um, well off with any of those five guys. Fit doesn't matter because Lowry Markkinen can play the three or the four. Uh, the fit for the point guards doesn't matter because obviously they need a point guard. And, um, and so if, if, you know, the, the jazz draft Cam Whitmore, you slide Lowry Martin into the four. If they draft, uh, Taylor Hendricks or, or, um, Jarris Walker, you keep Lowry Martin in at small forward. And, and if you draft, uh, Thor Thompson or Anthony Black, then obviously you slot them in, a, in at the point guard spot. All right, Tom, before I set you loose, some jazz news did come down while you were on the Denver beat. And, you know, it's interesting because Steve Wojcikowski has been living here in Park City. I, I didn't know that. I, I didn't know that Steve was here. I knew that, you know, he and Quinn are Duke guys. I knew that he would, you know, come around a little bit to uh, watch Quinn practices and such. Obviously, he had a chance to coach at the collegiate level for a number of years to some mixed success. Um, so I, I wonder what your thoughts are with Steve Wojcikowski taking over the Stars and I know you guys are close to the same age. I wonder if you ever ran into him back in the day as you kind of grew up in the same region. I did not play against Steve. Um, I've been in the same tournament as he has been. Um, I've been uh, in the same camp uh, as that, that he's been, but I've never actually been on, on the court with him. Um, I would have given him work, by the way. Oh, I know you so, would have. Yeah, I know you would have. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I was not as good as Steve Wojciechowski. I would have been um, in the corner just waiting for somebody to feed it to me so I could <laughs> shoot an open corner three. That would have been my role. Oh, you saw that. You saw that, huh? You, you know, Jamal Jamal Crawford just said I was good like two days ago, by the way. Congratulations. Uh, anyway, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, here's the thing. Um, from what I'm hearing, Will Hardy really pushed for this, for, for, for Steve to get hired. Um, um, you know, I think that he really took to Steve in the, um, uh, in the interview process. Uh, the other thing is the, the vision that they want is that they want the, the stars to, to be a true feeder system to the jazz, running the same stuff, doing the same stuff on both ends of the floor, um, in, in a true development feeder system into the jazz. So, you know, they have some things that they have to do and they have some things that they have to iron out, but with this hire, this is kind of what they want. And this is kind of, uh, they, they kind of want this. This is what they kind of envision with this hire. They don't want it to be, um, like it has been in the past where the stars are the stars and the jazz are the jazz. Uh, they kind of want, you know, both programs to uh, be in concert with each other. So it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, how that, um, how that turns out, uh, this year. Um, you know, but you know, that's kind of what the, the, the vision is and what the plan is, uh, for now. All right, my guy, welcome back. Good job on the uh, Denver side of things. Appreciate your time today and we'll chat soon. Be good, buddy. No problem. Thanks, my guy. Appreciate you. All right. There he is. Tony Jones covers the Utah jazz for the athletic and has been on the Denver beat over the past little bit. Always appreciate his time. Get him on Twitter at T Jones. On the NBA. All right, one hour down, three hours to go. Coming up on the other side, we are going to catch up with Tim McMahon. So keep it right here on ESPN 700. 
for Utah's best sports talk and coverage on air and online. Tune into ESPN 700 and ESPN 700 Sports.com. ESPN 700 is the home of the Utes. Plus, Utah's best sports talk with Bill Riley and Spence Checkett's weekdays on game day and every day. Utah's number one sports talk can be heard on ESPN 700 and ESPN 700 Sports.com. Blood as thick as mud, he's Ben McMahon. Ben McMahon, Ben McMahon, he's Ben McMahon. As the NBA season has come to a close and the offseason is now here, Hopefully we can get our guy throughout the course of the offseason, but we know he's going to be taking some time. He is a world traveler. But our next guest is probably best known for scoring the game-winning touchdown against George Niang's high school team. I know that because I listen to the Hoop Collective podcast. Howdy, partner. How are we doing? Howdy. I don't know if that's what I'm best known for. And just to be clear, I'm a few years older than George, so he did not have a chance to make a heroic stop on that quarterback sneak. Well, certainly not against George himself, but against George's high school. I, I picture you, Tim, as like Tim Tebow sans the piousness. Is that the type of player that you were? <laughs> uh, as far as the first name goes, there's a lot of similarities there. Other than that, I can't necessarily make that claim. Okay, fair enough. Hey, I think, uh, you know, you guys, it's been fun for me to listen to that pod because you've had so many great guests. And, you know, we had Timmy Goodtime Bontemps, your buddy, on yesterday, and I asked him about your sit-down with Will and I want to ask you, because I, I thought it was great, and you know everybody around here is certainly on board with this young head coach. What was that pod episode like? I mean, you know Will. It was fun because you guys have that banter, but what was that pod like that you, when you guys sat down with Will Hardy? Yeah, I mean, he was great, and Will is, the I guess the way I would describe Will Hardy is he is as normal a dude as any NBA head coach that I've ever come across, and that's why he was you know, so great to have on the podcast because it really is just a conversation. Um, just like you'd have with, with one of your buddies, except for this guy's an NBA head coach who, despite the fact he's only 35 years old, has had all sorts of experience in the league. You know, obviously being a part of that Spurs dynasty, working his way up from video coordinator to pops right hand man. And, you know, being on the team USA staff and like the stories he was telling about, uh, you know, the, the, the games during the Olympics when he was part of the kind of, I guess, the quarantine part of the, the coaching crew where, you know, they had, up until the gold medal game, they've got to sit there and, and watch it in a hotel room uh, an hour away from the actual games, yelling and screaming at the TV. And then, you know, obviously the Jazz uh, year one was, was the first steps uh, of a rebuild, but they are looking to be competitive sooner than later. And, and certainly he's going to be a big part of that process. Definitely get back to some jazz stuff before before we say say you loose, excuse me. But obviously, you were in Denver, all over TV, um, and I just wonder how you would frame the conversation around what the Denver Nuggets just did, and specifically the historic run from Nikola Jokic. Yeah, and historic runs exactly right, and one of the best playoff runs by a big man in the history of the league. Um, you know, we we can go down a very short list of, of big man playoff runs that uh, compared to what he just did. But, I mean, it was literally unprecedented. Never has anyone led the entire playoffs in points, rebounds, and assists. Um, you know, for, for him to come that close within a half assist per game of averaging a triple-double, 10 triple-doubles in 20 playoff games, 
you know, a 16 and four March to the championship. And it was just pure domination by this guy. And obviously he didn't do it by himself. You know, they had a lot of guys uh, who, who made big time contributions. Jamal Murray, once again, in the playoffs playing at a superstar level. Um, but the Nuggets are, you know, they, they earned that championship and they are well positioned to be contenders, uh, certainly for a, a nice little window here. Uh, five years is a long time in the NBA, but that's the uh, contract extension the Joker signed. And I think they're, they're well positioned to be contenders throughout that contract. You think they lose Bruce Brown? I mean, I know they can only offer yeah. him, what, seven and a half. You think he's gone? Yeah, I, I think that. I, I can tell you that that certainly was the anticipation, um, even early in the playoffs. Uh, you know, late in the regular season, like people in Denver had an understanding. Hey, this guy is, is significantly outplayed his contract because of the you know the, the cap rules. They are handcuffed, like you said. Um, I think he gets at least the full mid level, if not more, if not something in the in the low to mid teens per year. And obviously. All NBA players are, are paid well, but... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. By NBA standards, this is a guy who has not made a lot of money. This is his chance to cash in. And as much as I'm sure it will be bittersweet for him to, to move on from the Nuggets after being a major contributor to a championship team, uh, you know, I, I think he would be leaving dozens of millions of dollars on the table um, if he if he doesn't go elsewhere. So as, as you referenced, and there are so many things that can happen. I mean, we're already hearing rumors of all these crazy trades that could go down. So I, I acknowledge that it's really hard to project this thing forward for very long. But to your point, uh, it's Jokic, then it's Murray, Gordon, Porter Jr., all 28 or under and under contract. Uh, how realistic is it to expect them to continue uh, this type of play? Does the West go through the Rockies? And if not, who stands in their way? Uh, I think that certainly the Nuggets go into next year's as the NBA favorites, much less the favorites in the Western Conference. Now, that doesn't guarantee anything. Like, look, we all thought when the Bucks won that first one that they were probably going to win another one uh, sooner than later. That obviously has yet to happen. But you just laid out the core of this team is in its prime or approaching its prime, including the guys, the two-time MVP finals, MVP and all that kind of stuff, as well as his co-star. Um, you know, they really like Christian Brown, a, a rookie who contributed during the playoffs. They also like a kid named Peyton Watson, who was a, a late first round pick who didn't play much this year, but they believe with Bruce Brown's departure can step in to the rotation next season. 
Um, they're, they're really well positioned to be a force to be reckoned with, like I said, for, for at least the next four or five years. Um, you know, who stands in the way? That's a good question. Like, you can't rule out the Warriors, but they clearly weren't a championship team this year. Um, you know, the, the Lakers, I mean, we can talk about competitive sweeps, but obviously it was a sweep. They didn't put up a whole lot of a fight. Um, I, I don't know that they can close the gap as LeBron uh, approaches 40. Um, the Grizzlies, we all thought, was this kind of young, rising potential juggernaut. And boy, they've got all kinds of problems to figure out. Um, I, I guess the short answer is I don't know. Maybe, maybe the team that ends up challenging them in a couple of years is the Oklahoma City Thunder. Maybe it's the Utah Jazz. If we're talking about teams that are positioned um, to to rebuild, or you know, in the Thunder's case, continue to rebuild, but to, to put together uh, a contender caliber roster sooner than later, you know, th- those two teams have to be in the conversation, despite the fact that obviously they did not make the playoffs this year. Certainly, and, and I wonder, Tim, and we talked to, talk to Bon Temps about this yesterday, I wonder what sort of lessons you think the Jazz can learn from what just happened with Denver. I mean, this was not an overnight thing, not even close. They've been on a number of playoff runs. They were patient with Michael Malone, as he talked about. And, and look, mm-hmm. we, we can debate what lessons are out there. to learn. You, you've got to find a generational guy, and honestly, I don't think we've right. had one since John and Carl. So it's very easy for me to say, hey, go find the next Jokic, please. But what, what sort right. of roster construction lessons can a, a team like the Jazz in a city like Salt Lake learn from a team like the Nuggets in a city like Denver? Well, I mean, you, you put it exactly right. You've got to find a generational guy. <laughs> you know, it's a hell of a lot easier said than done. Now, because of all the picks that the Jazz have, they might end up being able to trade for, for one of those guys, you know, should, should, should they become available, you know, whoever that might be next. Um, but I, I, I do think that there is a lesson here in, in patience and perseverance, right? And I Having said that, I thought it was time to break up the previous uh, edition of the Jazz. I thought that um, you know that group had gone as far as it was going to go, and there was it was just time for a variety of reasons. You know, whether it was the the performance, the interpersonal relationships, whereas this Nuggets team was is a group that you know did have good chemistry, did have camaraderie. And frankly, like the question with the Nuggets to me isn't, hey, what would have happened if the Bucks or, or Celtics would have gotten through? Is hey, what would have happened the last couple of years if Jamal Murray was healthy, right? Um, so that, you know that obviously I think maybe even bought Malone some patience. But you know I, I don't think it's a huge coincidence that the two teams that were in the finals are, are teams that had two of the longest tenured coaches in the league. You know I think it's, it's tough to build something when you're constantly turning over your coach. Absolutely. And, you know, ultimately it does lead into a conversation about where the Jazz heads are at right now, leading up to the draft in eight days. Uh, Windhorse has been great with some of this stuff. Obviously, Woj is reporting a bunch of uh, potential. And look, it's smokescreen season. It's rumor season. Uh, we all know that 90% or maybe even higher of what we hear never really goes down. But I, I wonder if you're hearing if the Jazz are involved in any of these conversations with either any of the quote-unquote star players who are rumored to be on the move or any of the teams ahead of the Jazz in the draft that seem to be willing to move back? Well, it's also explore every possibility season. I assure you that Danny Ainge and Justin Zanuck 
are doing exactly that. Honestly, the only thing that would surprise me for the Jazz this summer is if Larry Morgan or Walker Kessler got traded. I think pretty much anything else is in play. Obviously, going into the trade deadline, those two guys, you know, Agbaji were the three that they uh, they labeled off limits. You know, I, I, I think obviously they like Agbaji a lot, but I don't necessarily know that he would be off limits for, for something significant uh, this summer. But look, it makes sense. They've got three picks. Uh, it, it would make sense for them if if there's a guy who they really like, whether it's you know whatever four, five, six, uh, in that range, to try to package some picks uh, and move up. They've got a lot of a lot of picks in later years, um, also to play with, and those you know probably more attractive than than the latter two uh, picks that they have in this year's draft. They've got cap space, which is not just about free agency, but you know you, you can use that cap space in the trade market. I Again, I'm being vague, but <laughs> I really do think that they will explore every possibility and, and they will be aggressive. Um, I think they will do something significant. What exactly that is, I would just be throwing darts. Uh, Damian Jones has until June 23rd to opt in. I imagine that he will. So then it's Clarkson, Horton Tucker, and Rudy Gay, and I think we assume that Gay is going to pick up that option as well. Uh, what are you hearing about you know the 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 decision making process that these guys are going through, and how do you think it ends up? Yeah, I, I don't know exactly what Tan Horton Tucker is thinking um, in, in in terms of whether he picks up that player option. I do think that there's an anticipation that he will be on the Jazz roster next year. Um, whether that means a new deal or, or picking up the player option. We'll see, and obviously nothing's set in stone, but I you know there's a lot of excitement uh, from the Jazz about, hey, this guy you know, really hasn't had a very structured summer since he's been in the NBA. We can give him that. Uh, you know, There's a lot of potential for development there. Um, I would anticipate that Clarkson will, will, would end up opting out. Um, you know, obviously, he's at the age where it makes sense for him to get uh, another long-term deal, you know, whether that's in Utah or not. I don't know. I don't know exactly what the market is is going to be for him. All right, moving over to some other things uh, that are kind of rumored to be going down. And again, these are all just rumors, conversations. Let's start with um, what the Pelicans are rumored to be potentially engaged in with talks with Portland for that three pick. Uh, We're hearing Zion. I've even heard Brandon Ingram. That's a tough one for me to stomach. I think Brandon Ingram, if he stays healthy, is an elite offensive talent. But who knows? How do you think this goes down in New Orleans, you think they really move on from either Zion or Brandon Ingram and maybe get that number three pick? Well, there's certainly a lot of smoke, and you know that doesn't always mean there's fire, but uh, it's coming from somewhere. Um, and look, as far as Brandon Ingram goes, if I'm the, the Charlotte Hornets or if I'm the Portland Trailblazers, look, I know you want Scoot Henderson. Okay, we can talk. I would be much more intrigued by an investment in uh, in Brandon Ingram than I would in Zion Williamson. Yep. For the simple fact, look, Ingram's not the most durable guy in the world, but he's a much more durable than Zion. And just with Zion, like when he's on the floor, he's spectacular. Like the guy clearly has superstar potential. We've seen glimpses of him playing at that level, but he's not on the floor much. And you can't be confident that he's going to be on the floor much because there's so much concern about his conditioning. And then there's just a lot of baggage that comes along with him. Uh, I would be reluctant 
to give up that kind of an asset to get Zion. All right. Um, you know, people have long wondered whether or not Brad Beal would get tired of being a part of an organization that just can't fully seem to figure it out to surround him with pieces to do anything other than kind of squeak into the playoffs here or there. And the report is today that the Wizards are working with Brad Beal on trade scenarios. He has a no trade clause, as you know, mm-hmm. Tim. How do, how do you think this thing ends? My best guess is he ends up in Miami. Um, the no trade clause, like the contract is one thing. Uh, the contract by itself was a questionable decision, especially for a team in, in uh, Washington that's just kind of been stuck in, in purgatory for a while now. I mean, they've been on that mediocrity treadmill and given Bradley Beal $250 million over five years when you don't have anything close to a contender just never made any sense to me. I think they're long overdue on trading him, but to add a no trade clause to that, there's a reason. That's the kind of deal that gets a GM fired. And they've got a new GM. And so, you know, the, I'm sure the conversation with uh, you know, a whole new front office, Michael Winger, I guess, is the president, Will Dawkins, the GM. I'm sure the conversation with Beal was something along the lines of, hey, we've got to re we've got to rebuild. Like, I mean, you know, obviously if, if you don't want to be traded, we can't trade you, but we're just telling you, like, this thing's not going to be uh, the, the goal here is not going to be to try to build around you. The goal is going to be to try to strip this thing down and, and build it back up. And so, you know, now it comes to, he's going to give them, I'm sure a short list and it's just a bad, it's a bad situation when the guy's got a no trade clause if he doesn't like the deal, he can just blow it up. No, no, I don't think, I don't think, let's say it's Miami. No, I don't want them to give up that much because I want to be able to contend there. And so it's a really tough spot for a, for a new front office. But the decision of, hey, let's figure something out with Bradley Beal. And, and I think it's time for both sides to move on there. The first domino actually fell a few days back when it comes to free agency as Van Vliet has decided to not pick up his option and hit the market. Uh, any idea where he lands, how this ends up? You know, I I think that there – I know there will be a ton of interest in him. Um, and it will be fascinating to see if the Lakers make a run at him because the Lakers, if they don't keep Rui, they can get to a number in the low 30s. That, that would be, I think, uh, a reasonable number for Fred Van Vliet. It's not going to be enough to, to get a Kyrie Irving, but I think you can make a strong argument. You'd rather have Fred Van Vliet at a significantly lower number than Kyrie anyway. Um, so, you know, he did, he did change agents last year. He is with Rich Paul, who obviously represents LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Uh, that's one to keep an eye on. Um, you know, the, the, it's more complicated seeing how the Suns could make it work. Um, but you've heard that. I've heard the Orlando Magic, um, and there's going to be a list of teams. Now, maybe Toronto maybe Toronto tries to keep them. I will say Toronto, with the head coach and hire they made, that, you know, Darko is a guy who's kind of, he, he's known for his player development ability. You know, the Desmond Baines, you know, some of those guys in Memphis that really developed, he gets a lot of credit for. So while the Raptors haven't necessarily declared anything, that has been taken sort of as a hint around the league of, okay, maybe the Raptors are ready to move on from some of these guys and go into a rebuild. And, uh, you know, if they're moving on from Fred Van Vliet, I think obviously they would rather do that in a sign and trade type of situation. 
Phoenix certainly is an interesting uh, piece here. Uh, and since you and I last spoke, the, the reporting around the Chris Paul stuff was hard to really keep up with. It's like, oh, they're talking about a trade. Oh, maybe he'll get released. And Haynes is like, he's been released. It's like, wait a second, what? So where are we at with Phoenix and Chris Paul, and how do you think this thing ends? So, you know, I, I was in Phoenix during the playoffs. I did talk to a lot of folks there uh, as their season was on its last gasps. And, uh, you know, obviously they're looking toward the offseason at that point. And the sense that I got was they weren't necessarily sure that they were going to move on from Chris Paul, but they definitely wanted to explore the options. They wanted to see, you know, is there a market for him uh, trade-wise? And then, you know, basically they felt like if they could turn Chris Paul into two solid rotation players, that's something that they would certainly uh, take a strong look at. Now, if you just, if you stretch him, then they create a couple of exceptions and, you know, I guess they could talk themselves into that being a, a way that, you know, they could add, you know, two players, turn him into two players. Um, you know, there's still certainly a possibility that what they end up doing is waiving him, but then re-signing him at a lower number. So, you know, if you waive him, it's 15.8 million. If you uh, guarantee his salary, it's 30.8 million. But you can waive him, not stretch him, just take that 15.8 million dollar hit, and then sign him at a you know minimum or, or, or that type of number. And so that that that's still a possibility, but you know, if you're Chris Paul and that's, you know, that's what they're offering you, well, you're getting 15.8 regardless. Okay. The minimum, hmm, what what are the Clippers interested in talking about? What are the Lakers interested in talking about? I I think he would explore his options pretty, uh, pretty thoroughly at that point as well. All right, Tim, before I set you loose as the, uh, the jazz big man whisperer, I'm told that's the moniker that we have laid upon you. I just have to get your reaction about 30 minutes after Denver wins the championship. Someone on Twitter that goes by at Rudy Gobert 27 tweeted out <laughs> happy for the Nuggets. Beautiful team basketball all year round failed over and over in the previous years. Didn't quit on their guys. And Nikola Jokic will finally get the respect he deserves. Your response. I mean, you can be sensitive and take that as a shot at the jazz if you want. Perhaps it was intended to be a, a slight dig. I don't know. Um, you know, you could also take it as a message to the Minnesota Timberwolves of, Hey, it's not always rosy. It's a, it can be a tough journey. Uh, you stick together and good things can happen. Um, or you can just say, you know, he's just congratulating another European seven footer and, and their crew. Uh, I don't know. The, reading the mind of Rudy is, is a is a dangerous thing to do. Yes, it is. All right, buddy. Well, great job. It's been fun. Uh, you guys have done a great job with all the pods. Appreciate your time today, and have a good week. We'll chat soon. All right. Appreciate you, brother. Tim McMahon covers the NBA for ESPN. Get him on Twitter at ESPN underscore McMahon is where you find him. All right. Coming up next, we'll continue some jazz stuff. John Paul Chunga, JP, the former producer of this show, now with our friends with the Utah Jazz digital team. Uh, And there's a new round ball roundup out today, which is an interview with the new head coach of the Stars, Steve Wojcikowski. And obviously the draft is next week. So we'll check in with JP. We're going to do some golf with Cam Rogers and some um, RSL with Elliott Fall a little bit later on. So drive on a Wednesday. Good to have you with us right here on ESPN 700.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Utah's number one sports talk on air and online is ESPN 700. ESPN 700 is your home for Utah athletics and the best national and sports talk 24-7. Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max weekday mornings from 4 to 8. The Dan Patrick Show from 8 to 11. The Bill Riley Show from 11 to 2. The Tribe with Spence Checkets from 2 to 6. And ESPN Radio every weeknight. For the best local and national sports talk and games, keep it tuned right Right here on ESPN 700. 78 days to kickoff for Utah football. Right here on your home of the Utes, ESPN 7921 FM. Brought to you by Andrew McCullough of Brindley Sullivan Attorneys and Across the Green. We got Cam Rogers stopping by, coming up to preview the U.S. Open. It gets rolling tomorrow. First time that, first time that it's been in Los Angeles for 75 years, if you can believe that. Uh, the L.A. Country Club is the venue, and we'll bring in Cam to preview the tournament and obviously talk about all the storylines surrounding uh, the world of pro golf that has been purchased by the Saudis. Let's call it how it is. And then Elliot Fall, RSL general manager, on the heels of a massive week for the club, is going to stop by coming up. Tim McMahon in the 5 o'clock hour. We'll say goodnight around 6 o'clock this evening. So, if you missed um, Tony Jones, he started things off today a little bit earlier. Head over to our podcast page, or certainly the website, ESPN700sports.com, is the website. But, joining us now. Talk a little jazz, talk a little off season, maybe talk some lads. I don't know, maybe talk a little golf. The host of the Round Ball Roundup podcast with a new episode out today. Former producer of this radio program, John Paul. JP Chunga on a Wednesday. Hey, pal, how are you? I'm great. How's it going? Good here, man. Good here. Are you all recovered from your concert experience on Friday night? I mean, I know that you were relieved you didn't hear any radio edits. You know, they basically stayed true right. to who they are. Well, and I expected that because mm-hmm. I've been to a show in the past and they don't shortchange the audience. As you know from going to countless DMB shows, mm-hmm. it's a priority of the musician to make sure that the audience has a great time. And I had a great time last Friday. 
I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. It was uh, it was an enjoyable evening, to be sure. You know what? Let's start with the lads, John Paul. You you and I are both here for the lads. It's well documented. Um, let's start right. with potentially the biggest acquisition in RSL history. What are you expecting from the number nine once he uh, is able to play, Chicho Rongo, the new acquisition for RSL? I'm expecting a whole lot of tweets by Trey Fitzgerald yes, sir. You know, of the level of his Nuggets fandom because he's going to score goals. That's the whole point. I think we talked about it last time that I was on, how the team absolutely needed a number nine. And with this signing, they addressed that. I was at the game uh, last Saturday because I, I go to games and I'm pressing the flesh, gumshoe reporting on the ground, and they sorely needed somebody to finish up front. That's exactly what this guy does. He has a great goal record. He's uh, somebody that can definitely put the ball in the back of the net, and it's an exciting signing. It's more, it's different from all the other signings that they've had before where the defensive and it's about uh, people who can fit into the club. This guy's an attacker, and I can't wait to see him out on there on the field at Rio Tinto or whatever they call it nowadays. I'm sorry, just a quick follow-up. Wasn't last Saturday jazz night at the stadium? I mean, it wasn't like you went on your own accord. Wasn't it jazz night at RSL? Well, there's a nice crossover mm-hmm. with okay. energy. It's right. one Utah. I support both um, the vision of this great state as it expands. But, sure, if you want to just pigeonhole me as a fair-weather only going on jazz night. Sure. Yeah, I, I was there for jazz night. Yeah, certainly some lovely platitudes there, but Chris Barney was there, which means everybody was assigned to go. Right. If, if Barney was there, then everybody had to be there, buddy. Well, Lowry Marketing didn't have to go. That's Tom my Jackson point. didn't have to go. That's my point. You you pretty much had to be there, so let's not act like it was out of your own accord and budget, because it just wasn't. That's my point. I was there at the beginning when they were at Rice-Eccles Stadium, and they were taking on Quadamac Blanco and the Chicago Fire. So if you want to cr- question my RSL credentials, go ahead. Uh, my name isn't on a beam like some people. Not a big deal. But I've, I've paid good money to go to RSL games in the past. I will in the future, and I will in the present. You are invested in the club. I will give you that. Uh, one more RSL thing. Can you wrap your mind around the potential? And I don't know what this would mean for the health and mental well-being of Trey Fitzgerald, of Lionel Messi playing soccer in Sandy uh, during the Open Cup final should both teams handle their business. I mean, how does that sentence land for a diehard soccer guy like you? It's amazing. I, I can't even imagine it. It's not something that I could even think about. I, I look towards how MLS 2.0 happened with David Beckham and that crazy ESPN campaign of, you say goodbye, I say hello, him coming over to the L.A. Galaxy and how much that meant to people at that time. This is messy. This is what some people might say is the greatest player of all time. Coming to America and playing soccer is its something I could never fathom. It's something I could never dream of when I was growing up with soccer and seeing that little old club move out to Sandy or when they started at Rice-Eccles. I had no idea that the caliber of player of him would decide to play in Major League Soccer. And not only that, he's bringing his friends, Busquets, Jordi Alba. Like, other players are going to want to come because Lionel Messi gives you that clout. It gives you legitimacy. And, oh, he just won the World Cup last time that that competition was played. So he's at the top of his game, at least in that respect. He's a Ballon d'Or winner. 
He has all the accolades, and now he's going to try and win an Open Cup, probably the biggest accolade that he could put on his uh, trophy shelf. All right, moving over to the Jazz now, John Paul. Um, you, interv- you interviewed the new head coach of the Stars, Steve Wojcikowski. Uh, first of all, uh, I appreciate you taking time away from draft tape to do that interview. Um, you know, I, right. I, I know what this time of year is like for you. Uh, what were your takeaways? What should Jazz fans know about the new head coach of the Stars? Well, it's linked to eating draft tape okay, because good. he's going to be integrally involved in the development of whoever the Jazz take. Because like we saw last year, Ochai Baji, he actually got his start of playing big minutes, not with the Jazz, but with the Stars. He had to go down there, learn the Jazz system. It's a little bit of a different environment. You're coming in with teammates who are from all over the place of varying levels, but they play the same style. And Steve Wojciechowski, who has a tenure at Duke as an assistant, he's of that Quinn Snyder mold, very intense, coached in college at Marquette. He realizes the piece that the stars are there to be a building block for the Jazz. And what did you see from the Miami Heat? They had two-way guys who become rotation pieces. Gabe Vincent was playing with the Sioux Falls Sky Force, who are the Miami's G League affiliate, and then he's playing in the finals. There needs to be a pipeline of players going from that club to the big club, and he realizes that. That was my biggest take, was the fact that he's going to be invested in the development of players that would go to the Jazz. And it's served them in the past. Trent Forrest was a two-way player. George Niang had a good stretch down in the G League. Rudy Gobert, he even played with the Bakersfield Jam way back in the day. But the G League development piece, Steve Wojciechowski is very much on top of the fact that that's his job. And that's how he's going to see success for these draft picks and whoever he has on his Salt Lake City Stars roster. As you know, John Paul, about 30 minutes after the Denver Nuggets won the NBA championship, a account credited credited to one at Rudy Gobert 27 uh, had quite the tweet that a lot of people around here figured it was a little bit of a personal shot. Uh, I wonder what you make of Gobert tweeting out, happy for the Nuggets, beautiful team basketball all year round, failed over and over in the previous years, didn't quit on their guys, wink, wink. That wasn't in the tweet. And Nikola Jokic will finally get the respect he deserves. Your thoughts? I'm being kind. I'm staying offline. It's typical of you to try and back me into a corner on this show. That's unrivaled from you. (laughs) Um, But... You know, I, I don't really take offense to it because he has a very stubborn mentality. He wants to keep going up against the same things because that's served him his entire career. People said he couldn't make the NBA, so he makes the NBA as a beanpole coming out of France and transforms his body into a defensive player of the year. He has lived on failing failing, failing, and then becoming the player that he is. So it it doesn't matter um, what he tweets. It just matters how he plays and how he's uh, performing for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Wow. Wow. That was was straight out of the playbook. I have to say I'm very impressed. Uh, Well done. Um, Ultimately, you know, we're a little bit of a smaller market than Denver. You're you're a big city guy. You know, you like the bright lights and the clubs and the beaches and the scenes. And 
I'm more of, you know, as you know, I'm just more of a man of the people, you know, small market, Mm -hmm. cheering for the little guy, the underdog. That's how I've lived my life. It's not a big deal. But when it comes to lessons that jazz, the, you know, the jazz can learn in a city like Salt Lake with what we just experienced with the Nuggets in a city like Denver, what comes to your mind? You have to nail draft picks and you have to have a top 10 five player in in the entire league. I think that's the biggest thing is that making sure that you have all these opportunities that the Jazz have when it comes to the draft. They have so many first round picks that making sure that you're getting somebody who can be that super duper star that can lead you to the title. Because I imagine when you watch Denver accept their trophy, see them hold the Larry O'Brien trophy, Brian Smith and the ownership group has to think I can envision my, myself on that stage as well. And it came through seeing them land somebody in the second round in Nikola Jokic and then keeping it going when Jamal Murray, even though he has injuries, fights through them and comes back and they see a fully formed playoff team. They, they did it through that and making a smart bet on Aaron Gordon trade that not – highly lauded at the time, but once they had their entire group completely healthy, with Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, Jamal Murray, they could go and win some games. And so making sure you're really shrewd with your draft picks and you have to win in this league if you have a, a top 10 player. Jimmy Butler's a top 10 player in the playoffs, and that's how Miami got to the finals, and that's what you're going to need to win championships. You need a top 10, top 5 player, and Jokic is the best one in the world right now. You know, follow-up to that, we were discussing this earlier. I don't think we've had a generational player since John and Carl. You know, we've had players that have been here that have played really well. Um, You know, you go over the list, there's obviously Darren. uh, Of course, there's Hayward. uh, Then the last iteration had Rudy and, uh, of course, Donovan. I don't think any of those guys ended up being, like, top, real top-tier generational pieces like John and Carl. Uh, Do you disagree with that? Or John and Carl, the last generational players we've had here, which was – what, 25, 26 years ago now? That's about right because the results have borne them out. You need a a generational player to get to the finals. That's how it works. That's how you become uh, in in the rooms where you're with all the superstars, where you get the top 75 jacket. That's why John Carl are on that top 75 list. It's because they're that player. And it's not a fault of those other guys that they weren't to that level because I think varying points you could have argued that they were top 15 all all NBA players right but that's the difference all NBA is not the same as all time it's not the same as being a person who can win an NBA finals like a Jokic a Giannis a Steph a LeBron last four champions you need to be a generational player to win championships and I think Danny realizes it because he had a, a generational type in Kevin Garnett. He had a generational type of shooter in Ray Allen. And he had a generational type of media broadcast talent in Paul Pierce, who, goodness me, if you were watching the finals on his stream, you mm-hmm. were having a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I know you were. I was. I, I check it out because I, I'm a big KG fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get Paul Pierce along uh, for the ride, and it's, a, it's even better. No doubt. All right. Uh, before I set you loose, I mentioned you got Wojciechowski today. 
Uh, if you want to tease anything coming up, let us know, and then tell everybody where they can find the podcast. Jay Billis is coming up on Monday, on Wednesday of next week, a member of the Utah Jazz front office. And all you have to do is just check it out on YouTube, search Round Ball Roundup on the Utah Jazz YouTube channel, and then wherever you get your podcasts, Round Ball Roundup, Utah Jazz. It's right there. Five stars, nice reviews? That's all I ask of you. 78 days away, buddy. Oh, I, I can't wait. Florida? I, you got it. You know it. I'm watching. I'm going to watch Utah, Florida again just to get psyched for it. I have it on my phone during this interview, just so you know. I've been grinding tape. I mean, that's the, so level, that's the level I'm on, you know? So you haven't been paying attention to me this entire time? I can multitask. That's part of being a host. You know that. You've got to do multiple things at once. I mean, it's very different from having Porter in the IFB talking to you, also watching the tape, because I'm sure you're not picking up on stunts and blocking schemes. What's the front? You're not calling out the Mike linebacker. It, it's okay. It, it, this is a, a good start for you. I'm, I'm happy that you've gotten to this point. I'm, I'm just honing in on the 12 personnel. I know, that, I know you don't know what that means. Text me later, and I'll fill you in. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll have to pick up the DQs to see what that means. All right, brother. Thanks for the time. Chat soon. Good to hear from you. All right, there he is, J.P. Chunga, host of the Round Ball Roundup podcast. As you reference, you can get it wherever you get shows. All right, coming up next, we're halfway home. I have some potential pretentious golf takes hmm. based off a round I played this morning. Did you play well? Is that why? I played okay. I shot an 82, which is pretty solid for me. That's good. Uh, good had a good back nine. Um, I always tell my wife, if I ever become a golf bro, you have to let me know because I don't want to become a golf bro. But I have some potentially pretentious slash hot takes about what we need to do with golf. Well, listen, I've spent plenty of time, uh, you know, between like nibbly. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And like Tuhei, right? I, I've been on both sides. The mm-hmm. Country Club, the mm-hmm. Muni. Yeah, I can I can toe the line and, and, and tell you if you're being a, a pretentious country club guy. We'll do that coming up on the other side during Halfway Home. And then we're going to bring in Cam Rogers for a U.S. Open preview and Elliott Fall for some RSL. Tim McMahon later on will say goodnight around 6 right here on ESPN 700. Basketball season is here. And here on ESPN 700, we have all the hoops guests you want to hear from. 
Longtime Utah Jazz front office exec Richard Smitty Smith joins Spence Checkets once a week on the drive. Former Utah Jazz and NBA assistant coach Gordy Chiesa joins Bill Riley every week on the Bill Riley Show. ESPN's Tim McMahon, Meadowlark Media's Tom Haberstroh, Sports Illustrated's Chris Mannix, and Zach Harper of The Athletic join Spence Checkets for your NBA daily assist on the drive. And we have all your favorite jazz insiders, Tony Jones of The Athletic, Andy Larson, and Eric Walden of the Salt Lake Tribune and Sarah Todd of the Deseret News join Bill and Spence every weekday throughout the season right here on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. From tea to green, Utah Golf Radio teed up by the PGA Tour Superstore getting you inside the ropes on all things golf in Utah. Join hosts Paul Pugmire and me, Jan Brownstein, Saturdays from 8 to 10 a.m. on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Halfway through the show. And it's time again to check in on the studio with Porter Larson. Halfway Home is brought to you by CHIP Healthcare, Utah's health insurance program for kids and teens. More info at chip.health.utah.gov. Coffee black, cigarette, start this day like all the rest. First thing every morning that I do <laughs> start missing. Toby Keith? Come on. Dude, come on. You come on. This is not my realm at all. I mean, I've been able to learn some things from you because this is your these are your jams. Uh don't give me a hint. I one hint is I've never played Toby Keith on this station. Okay. Uh I don't know. He's a country singer. You like country music. I don't know the difference. Give me a hint, as far, but and then I'll take another guess. Um, Don. It's the first name. No clue. Don Williams. Yeah, we could have sat here for two hours. I have no idea who that is. Recently uh, passed Don Williams. Shout out to Don. Oh, surprising. He drank coffee and smoked cigarettes every morning. He's passed. <laughs> he was pretty old, too. But... Did he have a good run? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not judging. I'm just saying maybe not the healthiest of decisions, but we all have our things, don't we? We all have our vices. All right, man, here's the deal. You um, spend a number of years working at golf courses. Accurate? Indeed. And at times, you'll get out and you'll play here or there. Accurate? Yeah. All right, so played around this morning. Bonneville, my home course. Love it. Love it up there. Course is in great shape. Uh, It's so green because of all of the moisture we've had. It looks like you're in Ireland or something. It's crazy. So it's really fun. Um, You know, I'm not going to sit here and complain because you sound like a total jerk if you complain about playing golf. I mean, it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, opportunity that we have here with all these muni courses that are really affordable and very accessible. But the game is really blown up, as everybody knows. So the rounds are just slow. They just are. There's no way around it. This is a muni course. It's not a country club. So you get double dates. You get kids trying to play. You get random people, you know, out there having a good time. But it's slow. It affects the pace. It does. I am one where I didn't grow up playing, but if I did play when I was younger, up until like three, four years ago, it was with my grandfather who passed away last year. May he rest in peace. And there's nothing he hated more than waiting on a golf course. It just, and I'm talking about with us. I mean, I, he, he would bring me and my cousins and it would be my grandpa and like the three of us. And he's yelling at us to, okay, that's your third swing. That's enough. Pick it up. We got to go. So I was trained just to play fast. Right. And it's, it's very frustrating when it feels like the pace could be improved with very, very simple things that are going on in front of you. 
Is that fair to say? Yeah, it's fair. It's fair. Okay, so here's a couple of proposals here. And Lay it out get, for me. we got to get to break because Cam Rogers is going to join us coming up next. This is going to sound horrible. Okay, I'm ready for people to be mad at me. <clears throat> Old people shouldn't be allowed to walk. I know, man. Get in the cart. I know it's bad. Like, a lot of them are out there just to walk so they can move their body. But, like, what are we doing here? You know? Like, can't you walk around the neighborhood? Can you take a walk on a treadmill? I'm, I'm not here to watch you walk for 15 minutes and then hit it 10 yards and then walk. Like, I'm proposing, and I'll talk to Easton about this coming up next week. I don't want to put a number on it because there are plenty of men in their advanced ages that stay in good shape. So maybe we do some contest before you go out for the round. Can you walk 40 yards and under whatever? And if you can't, here's a cart for you to speed everything up. Provided by the course, maybe. Sure. Look, they're making enough money with all these. The the T-sheets are freaking packed every day. You don't need need the extra 12 bucks for a cart fee. You don't. If you don't get online at 8 a.m. to make a tea time for a week in advance, you are screwed. You're playing late afternoons. All the mid-mornings are gone. Mm. So it's not like these courses are struggling, all right? They're making money. So for the sake of the whole thing, and again, I love old people. Big fan. Huge fan of old people. They're wise. They should be admired more than they are. Ageism is a thing in our country. My first proposal is that old people should not be allowed to walk on a golf course. I don't think it's a entirely reckless proposal, um, but you may you may face some pushback. Okay, from um, old people. Yeah, and look, I get it. I, I love you, old people, and maybe we shouldn't say old people that aren't able to walk at a reasonable rate should not be allowed to walk on the golf course, and therefore holding everybody up. Give them a cart. Here's my other proposal. This is going to sound horrible because I'm cracking on old people and young people. Kids under the age of like 18, they need to start playing with parents. They need to start playing with, you know, some sort of chaperone to encourage them uh, to just keep up. I don't need to watch you play, and I'm not exaggerating here, four golf balls as one individual. I watched this 17-year-old kid hit four shots, and it looked like he was playing like three of them. He's practicing. Go to the range to practice. Yeah. Okay. We live in a society. Be part of the solution. Let's keep it going. And here's the thing, and then we'll catch a break. There's nothing worse than a person who disciplines other people's children. I witnessed somebody discipline my kid once, and the reaction was so visceral. I'm grateful that I'm not in jail for what I wanted to do to that ass. Right. So I'm not going to go up to some 15, 16 year old kid and tell him to speed it up because I don't want to be that guy. So my two proposals today, folks that aren't in good enough shape or advanced years or whatever it is, if you can't walk a certain amount of distance in decent time, you're taking a cart. And if you're under the age of, let's say, 16, you need a chaperone to help you move things around. Otherwise, we're all in for five and a half hour rounds and nobody has time for that. Listen, efficiency's uh, a goal we can all work towards. Okay. Can, I get, can I give one more? Please do. Uh if you can't find the fairway, my friend, bring some extra balls. Right. Yeah. I that's that's one where I have watched I've watched people search for their Pro V1 for like a half hour before. Like yep. move along. Yep. It's gone. Yep. Yep. Let's all be part of the solution. Let's all just keep it moving and we all can enjoy our time. Was that too bad or was that all right? 
was okay. Yeah. It was okay. It was a little ageist. Yeah, it was. And I feel bad for that. Anyway, two hours down, two hours to go. More golf. This time it'll make more sense because we're going to talk about the U.S. Open with Cam Rogers coming up next right here on ESPN 700. You know, this is actually a sneaky, decent golf song, right? Do you lay up? Do you go for it? You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them. It actually kind of works with golf, doesn't it? It works with golf. It works with our friend Cam Rogers. And uh, he's he's kind of on the, the betting data side of stuff. So gambler. Very works nice. on several fronts. I like it. We're going to bring in Elliot Fall coming up in a little bit. Tim McMahon in the 5 o'clock hour for some NBA. But it's time to talk golf with one of our favorites, our buddy Cam Rogers. Back on the drive on a Wednesday. Happy U.S. Open week, Cam. How are you, bud? Hey, Spence. Good to be with you. I am doing great. It's been a busy day of content today. It always is on a Wednesday before a major championship. So excited to be with you. No doubt. No doubt. A lot I want to do. And since you and I last spoke, I don't know if you heard, Cam, but there's been some things in the news surrounding the PGA Tour. And, uh, you know, uh, the uh, I'm just going to tell you the way I see it and what I've been saying, Cam, Mm -hmm. the Saudis bought pro golf. That's where I'm at with it. Uh, So I just want your thoughts on the news cycle and what you think comes next and how this plays out. Yeah, so obviously I was shocked, like 99.9% of the human population when I heard the news. And the sheer fact that Jay Monahan and a couple of other people kept this under wraps so well in today's age of leaks and 24-7 news cycles is pretty impressive in its own right. And then when I really sat back and thought about it, the hypocritical nature of this deal is really remarkable. And I railed on it last week on my show talking about how it was one of the most hypocritical things I've ever seen in sports, talking about Jay Monahan going from 365 days ago, roasting Liv, saying you don't have to apologize for playing on the PGA Tour, saying things like we will never merge together. There will never be any unification. Guys who go play on Liv are indefinitely suspended. What happens a year later? He welcomes the Saudis to the table. He cashes out big, and he does exactly what he told the PGA Tour golfers not to do. And so the more I read into it also, Spence, it was clear that the PGA Tour had a financial issue going on. And I say that because they had ongoing litigation with Liv, antitrust lawsuits, and the Saudis could have dragged this on for years. The PGA Tour can't afford that with legal fees and what have you. And I think Jay Monahan saw the darkness that was coming as far as financial ruin for the PGA Tour, and he welcomed the Saudis to the table. Here we have this golf entity. And, oh, by the way, we're not even guaranteed this thing is going to go through, right? We've got Congress involved right now. Yeah, and that's actually where I wanted to go next before we get to the actual tournament. You can help us understand the favorites and maybe where our attention should be. Uh, Do you have any information or what is your opinion about whether or not this is actually going to be ratified and we will see this new normal in pro golf. Right now, I am pessimistic about this deal going through. Just doing my research right now, by the way, I'm like a side hustle lawyer at this juncture as a golf pundit. I have to be, I guess, to understand what the heck is going on. But the rhetoric from the senators right now talking about forming committees to look into this, drawing comparisons to when American Airlines wanted to merge with JetBlue, that did not happen because of antitrust laws and what have you, scripture and legislation and laws are being referenced by these senators. So, you know, put that all together. It seems bleak 
that this deal will actually go through. So everything we're talking about on your very airwaves could end up being moot. I also think, though, if this deal doesn't go through, it's a disaster for the PGA Tour. And then I really think it's a guarantee that the Saudis are going to run golf because the PGA Tour is going to run out of money because basically we'll go back to where we started, ongoing lawsuits, what have you. And the PGA Tour just can't keep up with this money that's backed by the Saudi government right now. So, you know, I'm pessimistic about this thing going through, but there is a lot of litigation still to be unfolded. So we'll see what happens. All right, let's move over to the U.S. Open. Gets rolling tomorrow in Los Angeles for the first time in 75 years. Uh, tell us about the track. Tell us about the L.A. Country Club, Cam, and um, you know a lot of a lot of people wondering how it will be as a host for a major championship as a first time first time course that way. Yeah, it's a relative unknown, right? We've barely seen it in any capacity. We did see it at the 2017 Walker Cup. Scotty Scheffler, Colin Morikawa did play in that match, but that was six years ago. Things have changed since then. This is a par 70, 7,400 yards, kind of a similar vibe to the country club last year, of course, at the U.S. Open, but a lot more undulations, a lot of blind tee shots, five par threes, one of them being 290 yards, three par fives, which is actually pretty rare for a par 70. And I think the best way to describe this golf course, visually demanding. Several tee shots require you to trust your line, basically, because you're not going to see the ball land. A lot of blind tee shots on this golf course. So guys have to get their homework in here on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Everybody's basically in the same bucket in the sense that everybody's playing catch-up to study this golf course in the span of three days. going to be really difficult. And as far as like comparing it to other U.S. Open venues, the fairways are actually wider. The rough isn't as penal around the fairways. Where it gets really difficult is the fact that you have these long iron shots into the greens, and then the rough around the greens, super thick, super hard to get the ball out of there. So if you are missing greens, you are staring at a bogey at the very best. So I think you've got to bring your ball striking here this week at the U.S. Open, and of course, you know, being consistent with the driver and then get a little hot with the putter, and you can make some magic happen. All right, let's talk about some of the golfers you have your eyes on, uh, Cam, as far as, you know, who you like to win the thing, maybe some lines you can throw out there that could be some, you know, something that our listeners could potentially look at for some underdogs. I've got the favorites in front of me, so I'll just give you the space. Who who do you like and who are some players you should keep an eye on uh, that don't maybe have the best odds to come out on top? I love Patrick Cantlay to get it done here this week. I've been screaming it since the weekend. This is his time. He hasn't missed a cut in the last five U.S. Opens. He's one of six players in this field who ranks above average in the following categories, driving distance, driving accuracy, which is rare, strokes gained approach, and strokes gained around the green, number one on tour in total driving, 50 to green over the last 50 rounds. Love Cantlay to get it done here this week. Top 10, I think Xander Shoffley is a lock. He's the number one player in strokes gained a total at U.S. Opens over the last half decade. This is the list of his results. 14th, 7th, 5th, 3rd, 6th, and 5th. Five out of six, he's inside the top 10. So I think Xander is a guy to watch out for. And listen, Rory McIlroy hasn't had a major championship title since 2014. I was a sophomore in college, but still, I think he will be a factor here this weekend. Safer 
a top 10 bet here this week, T9, T7, across his past three starts here on the PGA Tour, four straight top nine finishes at U.S. Open. Even though he never really contends, he's always there in some fashion. So I think he's a safe bet for a top 10 here this week. Let me ask you about a couple of specific names. Uh, I want to I start with Brooks, Brooks Kepka, who really has put himself in very rarefied air with five big ones, five major championships. And every major he wins throughout the course of the rest of his career, he will climb up a very, very unique list of names and a very high-profile list of names, uh, plus 1,100. What do you make of what we could see from Brooks this weekend? Yeah, hard to ignore what he does. Really major in and major out. Playing well on live as well, T12 at the most recent D.C. stop. He was T5 at Tulsa, of course. He's been great at the majors this year, T2 at the Masters, and, of course, winning at Oak Hill for the PGA Championship. He's a guy who's just built for majors. I mean, there's no other way to put it. He plays well on every style of golf course at every major championship. 11-1, to 1, you like the odds better than, say, Scotty Scheffler, who's way too short, in my opinion, at plus 600. I won't go there, but I think there's some logic to betting on Brooks to get it done here this week. He's won back-to-back U.S. Opens before. I could see him winning back-to-back major championships here in 2023. So, you know, he's just built different, Spence. I mean, his major championship game is just fantastic, and he could get to 10 majors, and maybe he'll add another here this weekend. So we're broadcasting about four miles away from where Tony Finau cut his teeth, and he's at plus 3,300. Uh, we know that he has it in him to win – you know, big time tournaments, but we are, we're all waiting for him to break through that ceiling and actually get a, get a major. Uh, what are your thoughts on that line and how does Tony's game match this track? Yeah. So looking at the stats, the profile is pretty good. Fourth tee to green, seventh in strokes gained total. The iron game is great. Fifth on the PGA tour. If you look at his recent results though, leave some to be desired. He missed the cut at the Charles Schwab challenge. He was T72 at the PGA Championship, really hasn't been that great since he won the Mexico Open. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So it's something to keep in mind there. But for Tony C, now listen, he's built for major championships, maybe not to the degree of Brooks Kepka, but he's somebody that I think is certainly doable for a factor here this weekend. And he could even win the thing. But, you know, the recent form is not all that great at this juncture. So he's going to have to combat that. So when you look at where they have DJ, Dustin Johnson, he's even down a little further down there with Morikawa and Justin Rose at plus 3,500. 
You know, you know, I, I was a little bit surprised to see him right there. This is another guy that's won major championships. I, I don't know if it's the recent form. Maybe he's a little bit disengaged because he's just making a ton of money and not as dialed in as he usually is. What do you make of that line where we find DJ? Yeah, kind of weird to see a line like that, but the reality is he's not playing great golf, and he hasn't certainly at the majors in particular, and maybe it's a byproduct of moving on over to live, playing against lesser competition, playing less, right, in the sense he's playing less tournaments and less holes every single week. So I think maybe it got to him a little bit, and he's still trying to find his game. Immense talent, really good value there at that number, not too bad, Spence, that you said, but I just can't go there with Dustin. He hasn't shown me anything. Victor Hoblin's coming off a win at Memorial a few weeks back, and he's a rising young star. He's right there with Cantlay. What do you make of his chances? I love his chances. I think he's due for a fantastic week here this week. Won the Memorial not too long ago. And listen, that's a major championship track, right? Major championship field. Uh, certainly not a major officially, but it feels that way when you play it. So, Keep an eye on him for sure. I think he'll be a factor. All right, Cam, before I set you loose, give me your longest of long shots that you actually think has a chance. I mean, you look at the group at 4,500, which is JT, Jason Day, Cam Young, Ricky Fowler. But, you know, longest of long shots. You know, let, let's get weird for a minute. Uh, a, a guy whose line is way down there you th- that you think has a chance to be throwing some punches on Sunday. I won't go past probably 72-1, one Adam Scott to get it done here this week. I think he's playing decent golf. I think the driver is great at this juncture, three top tens in his past four starts, 15th on tour, and strokes gained off the tee. Fantastic long iron player. He's the guy. I think Adam Scott at 70-1, to 80-1, to shot that number around, but he could be a factor. All right, Cam, appreciate the time. Enjoy the tournament. We'll chat soon. Thank you, Spence. Take care. All right, there he is. Cam Rogers does a lot when it, when it comes to sports betting on stadium and uh, does a lot with the golf stuff as well. Uh, NBC, CNN, been all over the place. Uh, he gets it, man. He's a pro. You can get him on Twitter, at Cam Rogers Live is where you find him. All right, before we catch a break, we are going to bring in Elliot Fall coming up to talk a little RSL. Then Tim McMahon during the 5 o'clock hour to talk some NBA. But we welcome in Ryan from the Dish Bros. Some cool things that they have going on at the Dish Professionals. So, a few things here. Uh, fall will be here right before you know it. We're 78 days away from Utah football. The NFL, of course, will start right around the same time. There are going to be a lot of programming changes to what you're accustomed to when it comes to where you want to find or where you will be able to find your football. So, Pac-12 Network, the NFL Red Zone is making a change. Sunday ticket, if you've ever had that product. Uh, It's going to be tough to watch the NFL without that if you've ever experienced it. And then there's the wild card of Jazz games as well. We're still not sure what that's going to look like. Uh, Ryan Smith, the owner of the Jazz, has made some comments here or there about where you could potentially find uh, Jazz games coming up. So don't know what that's going to look like, but Ryan certainly has some answers for you. So give him a call at 801-424-DISH. That's where you find him. The other thing they have going on with the Dish Pros now is that they have a pretty insane internet offer. We were out on remote at the Dish Professionals a couple of weeks ago, and this is a new thing that they have to offer when it comes to the internet. So if you're one of those people, as we've talked about, that at the first of the month, every month, you go out to the mailbox, you open up your bill, and you see what you're paying for internet, and you think to yourself, I'm paying too much for this, you are correct. Now, we all put it off, right? We all put put it off, but... 
it's time for you to at least inquire. And then any questions you have, Ryan can answer. So give him a call at 801-424-DISH. It's 801-424-DISH. What's up, Ryan? Vince, thanks so much. You know, the internet and TV combo are really an important thing to our customers. And we listened. And, you know, we put together a system where we have multiple internet providers that we have available. And if you call us up, we've done all the homework. You don't have to call around. We'll search out and see what ISPs are available at your address and um, give you the prices. And uh, here's the thing is we guarantee get you the best deal. Um, We've got some very cool offers from 30 to 50 bucks a month. Um, and these are very neat, neat promotions, um, great products, super fast internet. And uh, this even includes fiber. So um, this is an interesting thing because I think some of you might be sitting there and go, I already have fiber, I'm golden. But you're spending um, 70, 80 bucks a month plus modem fees, plus taxes and everything. So you're out the door, you're super high. Well, here's the thing, there are... Um, different situations and not all fiber situations, but different situations where you can just pay your bill to another um, company using the same fiber, same services and pay a lot less. And that's the things that we um, specialize in. If you may guys call us up, take advantage of the deals. If you're unhappy for current service, you don't have good internet or you're just paying a whole bunch. This is where we can help you. And even if you're like, I'm positive, I don't have internet. Um, that may be true or it may not be, and you'll never know unless you just call us and check in. Um, the new 5G products are, are covering areas that normally didn't have any options at all, and um, this product is awesome. Um, here's another thing. If you're a DirecTV customer, um, you might have heard a little bit, this is in the news, that uh, DISH is looking to acquire DirecTV. Now, if you stick around and you become a, a DISH customer through the acquisition, you're really going to miss out on a lot of these new customer offers. And Dish has thrown out a fantastic offer right now for DirecTV customers. And guys, there's only a short time to take advantage of this. But if you switch, you get a $300 gift card. Plus, guys, you're going to get the Jazz games. And you're going to get the NFL game. You're going to get the Pac-12 network. Everything on one channel. Plus, you get or one system. Plus, you get a bigger DVR. And you know that really slow remote when you go to change things and it takes five, six seconds for it to do anything, you get something that's instant, happens, works fast, easy. Call us up. Take advantage of this three-year promotion with Dish, three years worth of credits. The price is guaranteed. We save people a ton of money, plus get you a better system. It's super easy. Call us up today. If you're a cable customer, you're in that bundle that's so amazing, you know, the one you're spending 230 some odd dollars a month for TV and internet. That's hogwash, guys. I'll tell you. That's like $70 a month you're throwing away. Call us. This is what we do. We save you money. We get you upgraded. And we'll get you the games this year. So call us. 424-DISH. 801-424-3474. All right. There he is. Ryan from the Dish Professionals. The Ringer has released their top 125 players in the NBA. They do this every year after the season ends. And Lowry Markkinen is at 28. So according to this, the Jazz have one top 30 player. And then the next Jazz player ranked is Walker Kessler at 103. So according to the Ringer, the Jazz have one top 30 player and only two players that would be considered in the top 103 of the league. Uh, So kind of an interesting thing there. They have Donovan at 15. That's too high. They have him ahead of uh, Jamal Murray. I'm not sure I can do that after what we just saw. There's also a story that surfaced that um, I don't know where people get these odds. But according to what I'm reading, 
The Jazz are one of the favorites to land Draymond Green. Not sure that that's how it will play out, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. Manager of Real Salt Lake, Elliot Fall, on a Wednesday. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing great, Spence. How are you? I'm good. Are you in D.C. yet, or are you still here locally? Uh, no, we're still here in Salt Lake. We uh, we fly out tomorrow afternoon, headed headed uh, to the nation's capital. Is Trey going? Uh, I, I believe so. I, I, I thought I'd maybe say something snarky, but you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to keep it. Keep it nice to Trey. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to spend some time with him, and we got a nice five-hour flight together. Maybe we'll, you know, play some cards and and just chat. Is he bringing Perk? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Okay. All right. Just I'm, curious. I'm not. I have no idea. Okay. All right. We can move on. Just wondering what the travel itinerary looks like. All right. It's obviously been a big week for you since we had you on last, and you gave us a whole lot of nothing about a potential announcement, and then, you know, all of this uh, noise about what could be next. You landed the big fish. Now, obviously, we have to see what it looks like when Chicho's available uh, to play coming up uh, on, uh, on July the 8th when the secondary window opens against Orlando. I want you to walk our listeners through this process, how it all went down when you first made contact with Chicho and his agent, and then talk us through the process of how you got this across the line. Sure. It's, you know, obviously not a, a huge secret. We've, we've been looking for some attacking pieces um, and, uh, and, and we're looking through the, the primary window, you know, which, which closed in April. Um, but, uh, you know, weren't able to kind of get one or one or two of the deals that, that we considered, you know, didn't get them, didn't, didn't push them across the line, um, you know, for whatever reason, varying reasons for each. And, and then as that window closed, you know, we were, we were still kind of digging up new options. And, and uh, the, the summer transfer window is always a, a big one globally uh, because that's, you know, that's when the majority of, of European teams do their business. It's their, it's their off season, you know, so there's always a lot more availability and a lot more movement in that window um, internationally. So, you know, we wanted to make sure we were, we were drumming up any, any new options and, and uh, it came, you know, it came to our attention that, that Chicho was interested in coming back to MLS. You know, he had only, he only moved to Mexico in, in January or February. Um, but he, you know, I think, look, the reality is I think he never probably really wanted to leave MLS, but because of, you know, uh, because of the nuances of the, the MLS rules and, and the way that, that internal transfers have to occur, uh, he didn't, there wasn't really an option to bring him, you know, to go directly from LAFC to another MLS club. Um, at least not for LAFC, you know, that would have been a deal that they would not have gotten what they needed out of it. So, so they had to move him internationally and, and moved him to Mexico and he went down there and, and, uh, you know, I think he did well, you know, he, he scored five goals. I think he had five starts, scored five goals, played 10 or 11 games. Um, and, and was, was really coming into form at the end of the season for him. But you know, he wanted to come back to MLS. And so we, we reached out and we, and we said, look, you know, he's a player that we've, we've admired for a long time, a player that we've inquired about at times. And you know, it just wasn't something we would be able to do, like I said earlier, given, given kind of the restrictions of, the, of our internal rules. Um, but this was now an option where we could, you know, we could do the deal. And it was a deal that was – that we could do no differently than any other deal uh, and, and really made it something viable and feasible. And so 
we quickly figured out that that you know that he wanted to come back, that he was really interested in in Real Salt Lake, that he was interested in, in coming back to for this club specifically, and and so you know we went through the process of negotiating the you know the agreement with with Pachuca and, and, uh, you know, look, they were great to deal with and I don't think they wanted to lose him, but they were, they were, they were responsive and they were open to it. And, and so we, you know, we worked with ownership and, and we got the deal across the line and, and got Chicho here over the weekend. Obviously things change and players have things that pop up, whether it's family or just a desire to uh, have something new or different. So nobody can see the future, Elliot, but he, at the age of 28, He's got a lot of good soccer ahead of him. What's the plan as far as how long you anticipate him being a part of your group? Again, with everything in mind that we know that things change. Yeah, of course. You know, look, we we plan for Chicho to be a member of this club for a long time. Uh, the 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 proposal is, you know, was a was a project uh, and a project over over several years, um, and a project that you know has us competing for for silverware. Um, that's, that's what we talked with Chicho about Chicho, Chicho came in and, and wants to commit to this club and, and be a part of this community. Um, he's, he's somebody who's really passionate about, about all of those pieces. And, and so, you know, the way we look at it is this is, this is a long-term, uh, uh situation. This is a long-term acquisition. Chicho is not, we're not bringing Chicho in because we want to, you know, we want to turn around and sell them for a profit. We're not doing anything like that. You know, we're not we're not looking at it as you know this is an opportunity for us to move him down the line. We're looking at Chicho as a guy who's going to come in and he's going to score goals for this club and be a difference maker for this club for a really long time. I loved when I asked you. I said, "Is he a nine? And you said, "He's only a nine. Um, so. Obviously, not all strikers are created equal. There are some, you know, target strikers or some that are known to be able to, you know, get a crack from distance, take set pieces, whatever it is. What sort of striker is Chicho? What would you say to our our listeners about that? Yeah, he's a, look. He's a versatile nine. He's a guy who um, can can do all of the things you want of a modern day nine. He's good in hold up play. He's an excellent finisher. His instincts in the box are fantastic. Um, he's he has he has a nose for goal and a hunger to score goals uh, that that you need from from a player. And and frankly, you know uh, something that I think we've been lacking at times. Um, and and uh, so he 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 also has a bit you know he has a bit more burst and a bit more athleticism than people probably realize from you know, just from first glance, uh, but, but he's a very well-rounded player. Um, I, I, you know, all those things he does really well. He also drops deep and, you know, comes underneath and, and has a, a dialogue with the midfield really well and, and combines well with other players. You know, I think it's going to be really exciting to watch him playing with, you know, with all of our different attacking pieces. And that's one of the, one of the reasons we really liked him is that he fits in different ways with all of our attacking pieces on our roster. You know, we've got Andres Gomez on one wing who, who has pace and, and athleticism and is direct and, and is going to, you know, beat a guy off the dribble and create something for a teammate. Chicho can be there to finish that. We've got, we've got Jefferson, who frankly can do a bit of everything. I mean, Jefferson's super technical. He also has the same, the same attributes that, that Gomez does, so they'll combine really well. you got a guy like Diego Luna 
you, you know, you saw what Diego and Jefferson were able to do this Saturday when, you know, when they're tucking inside and they're combining with the, you know, with the central guys. And so in this case, it's, it's Chicho. And then, you know, one of the other guys or Chicho and Dami or Chicho and Danny Masaski, Chicho and Rubio, you know, all of these guys, they'll combine really well together and, and play off of each other. Well, so, you know, I think he fits, he fits how we want to play in a lot of different ways, which is a very exciting uh, part of his profile. All right. Um, a lot of people wondering, you know, whether or not, uh, you know, there are other uh, players or acquisitions that may or may not be. And, you know, I understand that these aren't things that you can speak to in depth, but this is a interview and I have to ask the question Then I'll give you the space. What's the plan outside of what has already been announced when it comes to this secondary transfer window? Yeah. The, well, look, the, the plan is that this isn't the last one. Um, this isn't the last acquisition. You know, this may be the biggest one. This may be, you know, you know, certainly from a financial standpoint and, and a profile standpoint, maybe the biggest, but you know, we're, we're looking at one or two other pieces to really to bring in and bolster the group uh, and to come in and compete. So uh, I am, I'm very hopeful that we'll get, you know, we'll get some of those over the line quickly. Uh, we, we have some promising. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved. We are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Some promising opportunities, but, but nothing done yet. Let's put it that way. I had Pablo on yesterday. I'm going to ask you the same question I asked him about Saturday. Uh, you know, you love the clean sheet, and that's obviously a great thing. What you don't love is they had a clean sheet as well. But a plethora of opportunities and just the inability for, you know, the players to get on the right end of crosses or passes and be able to finish. Did you watch that game out of frustration? I'm sure you did. But was there a part of you that said, oh, Chicho finishes that. Chicho finishes that. You know what I mean? Like, what was it like to watch yeah. all of those chances go by the wayside? And what was going through your mind? Well, you know, I'll, I'll start by saying it's impossible for me to be standing over Chicho's shoulder uh, on Saturday watching the game thinking, man, it would have been fun. You know, it would have been fun to see Chicho out there with, a, with the, the number of chances we created. You know, I think we were a bit unfortunate not to finish more. Honestly, it, look, you, you, you described the game very well. It was, an, it was a very frustrating match uh, on the whole because we didn't finish chances. Um, outside of that, though, it was one of, if not our best performance of the year. Uh, you know, I thought, I thought we controlled the game. We created all of the chances. Uh, you know, the reality is at almost no point did NYCFC really threaten us to the extent that it, that it felt like we were, we were in danger. Um, so, so I think we were good in both directions. We were, you know, our back line was really solid. Our midfield did a good job of, of, snuffing out counterattacks and, and not allowing for them to get into open spaces. And then, you know, we did a good job of creating chances again, you know, we have to finish those chances. And, and the truth is given, given our start to the year and, and where, you know, where we kind of are, we, we needed to finish those chances, but we didn't. So we're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to go out and, and do it next time. But uh, you know, a, a lot of positives to take from the performance on the whole. 
So what's the plan, Elliot, between now and July 8th to make sure that Chicho is ready? When I asked Pablo, I said, you know, at, at first opportunity, is he in your starting 11? He said, that's absolutely the plan, but we got to make sure he's ready to go. I understand his season ended, what, like a month ago? What, what kind of shape is he in, and what's the plan between now and July 8th? He, uh, you know, he, we're still, the honest truth is we're still figuring out exactly what kind of shape he's in. Um, you know, he's been out with the group on the field the last couple of days. Uh, he has not, he has not done a full fitness test yet. And, and the honest reason for that is because we don't need to do it quite yet. Um, it's because that fitness test takes a lot out of a guy. We wanted to get him in with the group a little more and, you know, allow him to, to ease his way into it. And so we're going to do that fitness test next week, but you know, we fully expect him to pass the fitness test. Um, he looks good. He looks sharp. You know, he, he was out there, you know, playing, playing five V two with the guys and, and having a good time the last couple of days and, and got into a lot more of the session today and, and looked really good. Um, so from a plan standpoint, it really is, we, we have the luxury of having, you know, three and a half weeks until he's available to play. So with that, it allows us to ease him in and not, you know, throw him into the mix fully from day one. And, you know, not that there's a huge risk of any, of any major issues or setbacks, but, you know, we can, we can fully minimize the risk of him coming in and, you know, suffering a little uh, muscle injury of some sort. So, you know, we, we're going to take it a little easy. We're going to ease his way into it, let him acclimate to the altitude and let him acclimate to the group um, and uh, expect him in full training, you know, like in every piece of the session early next week, probably, but, you know, we're, we're taking it a little easy and, and uh, letting him, letting his, letting him get his feet under him. If you had a solution for not winning at home, my guess would be you would share it with the group. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it, you know, I, I'm just wondering what your thoughts are, Elliot, in years past, that has been a really, really tough place for teams to play. And the good news is you've been really solid on the road. The bad news is two, four and three at home. Uh, historically speaking, not a formula for success, at least for this side. What are, what are your thoughts on the group's inability to be as dominant at home this year as uh, juxtaposed to years past? Yeah, it's been really frustrating. Um, it's been a really it, – it, it is what has set us back this year for the most part. Um, you know, we, we've – I think we have been pretty good on the road, but we've – like you said, we've lost four home games. I don't remember – you know, there aren't many years where we lose four home games in this in this stadium. Um, and then, you know, the last the last handful, you know, it's nil nil draws, and it's it's just not converting chances. You know, all three of those draws, I believe, were zero zero, and they all are in the last six weeks or whatever it was. If, if I remember correctly, it's Portland, Seattle, and then obviously NYCFC, and. Each one of those, you know, I think we're the better team and we just did not, we just didn't finish our chances. We just did not, we didn't close the game out. We didn't, we didn't finish the way we needed to. Uh, and we, we have to figure that out. We have to change that in the second half of the year. If we're not better at home in the second half of the year, we're not going to, the season is not going to be a success in the way that we would like it to be. Um, so we, we have to change it. And I think, you know, you, you hit on something like er, early in the year, I think there were, we were in a bad run of form and, and frankly, we weren't good on either side of the ball. I think we've really come into a good run of form lately. Uh, and so it's, 
there are a lot of positives to take from that. A lot of a lot of good things from that that recent stretch at home. But again, you gotta you gotta put the ball in the back of the net. And you gotta finish those chances. How healthy is the group in preparation for this weekend when you guys fly to DC? It's uh, it's pretty it's pretty healthy. We're pretty good. You know, we we saw obviously the couple long term injuries. Eric Holt is out. Zach Farnsworth is still out. Um, Brian Oviedo was out on the weekend, you know, with a little bit of a calf issue that he suffered in the uh, the Open Cup game. He's making his way back, you know, I, probably a little bit of a long shot to expect to see him on Saturday, but but he's getting he's getting much closer. Um, and I think everybody else, for the most part, is all good. Obviously, we have some international absences, and that's frankly more of you know what we have to deal with than than the, uh, the health issues at this point. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you brought that up, E. So let's review the international call-ups for our listeners. Who's unavailable uh, as a result of playing for their country coming up? So um, we, got, you know, we got three guys in, in South American friendlies, uh, South American camps this week. We got Jefferson Saverino, Brian Ojeda, and Anderson Julio, uh, all with their full national teams for matches uh, in the next few days and, and into early next week. And then Rubio Rubin is with Guatemala for the gold cup. So Rubio will be out for a while. Uh, you know, Rubio's is that, that, that's a, you know, they play a couple friendlies before and then the tournament starts in a couple weeks. So, so Rubio's out for a bit. Uh, and those other guys are out, you know, for the next week to 10 days. It is something that I simply will never, never get used to. But I know it's part of the deal. I know how much it means to the players. All right, tell me about D.C. Like you, they, they've been just okay at home, not great, but they've been pretty solid on the road. They're sitting on 23 points, which is above the playoff line. Uh, what are you guys up against coming up on the road this weekend? Yeah, another look, another good team. They've got some dangerous pieces, um, you know, some, some guys who can, who can really threaten and can – can score goals if you if you if you give them the time and the space. You know you got you got Christian Benteke, obviously a guy many people know the name of. Came over last year from from the Premier League, um, former Belgian international. They got Paxi Funtas, who's a you know kind of a second striker, just a really good chance creator and, and goal scorer himself. So so we got to keep an eye on those guys, and you know we know that we're in for a battle. They're going to come in, they're going to work hard, and They've got talent, and uh, you know, we we need to match that. We need to match the intensity, and and we need to, uh, you know, we need to find a way to put our chances away, uh, and and that's what it'll come down to. All right, before I set you loose, when I say the following to you, what goes through your mind? There is a legitimate chance that RSL could be hosting an Open Cup final and facing Lionel Messi in sandy utah what goes through your mind excitement huge excitement um obviously the messy piece is awesome you know messy Lionel messi is arguably the best player in the history of this game he's he's probably going to win the ballon d'or this year he won the he led his country to a world cup just a few months ago i mean there's not much not much more you can say about him um so that's exciting but on top of that, an opportunity to hoist a trophy at home. I mean, you know, look, we're the one club that is sitting, we're sitting in our offices and we know 
that if we win in a semifinal, we will have the opportunity to host a tro- or to hoist a trophy at home. We're the only club that can say that, and that's that's a really cool thing. Um, so it's something we're really motivated by. I know I know everybody in the locker room and everybody in the organization is really excited for that match in Houston. Uh, hopefully, go down there, get the result we need, and then and then come home to an unbelievable crowd and and a, a really really exciting a really exciting final. You don't get to, you don't get the host finals very often. No doubt. All right, man. Safe travels. Best of luck this weekend. We'll chat soon. Appreciate it. Thanks, Sims. RSL General Manager Elliot Fall. All right, wrapping up the show for a Wednesday. Congratulations. You are officially halfway through your work week and one day closer to the weekend. The U.S. Open starts tomorrow in Los Angeles. Uh, thoughts and prayers for the people of Los Angeles. I understand that the sun uh, continues to not shine the way you're used to. Really sorry about the 65-degree and cloudy weather. Hang in there. We love you. So U.S. Open gets rolling tomorrow. Tonight we've got a little Subway series, or do we? Yankees-Mets weather delay. By the way, why Why does every – the Mets are cheaters, dude. Like, what's going on? Why does every, – every week that passes, another Met is suspended for a banned substance. What's going on with your boys? I uh... – Saw that another one today. Not uh, not ideal. I'm I'm not on board. Um, You're anti cheating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, good to know. Unless unless it gets us a bunch of W's, and we we can chat. Down to cheat if it's actually working. I mean, the problem is they're cheating, and it's not working. So a little baseball tonight. Uh, I almost made it through the Walton doc last night, the Bill Walton documentary, the luckiest man on on earth. I think it's called. You can see it on ESPN. There's one more part. Uh, that I need to check out tonight. You said that you were potentially going to watch the Bill Walton documentary. I know that he's a fun guy and you're not a fan of such things. Have you started it at all? Not yet. Not yet. All right. Uh, maybe a, a binge watch on that one. I'll, I'll probably do when uh, when it's all said and done. All right. So, yeah, it's that time of year where the sports kind of dry up a little bit. Obviously, there's a ton of uh, conversation about what could happen this NBA offseason. A lot of it's smoke. 99% of it never goes down. Uh, But, man, the Jazz are in such a good spot to capitalize on one of these players or potentially moving up in the draft as well. So the draft, eight days away uh, from right now, uh, or nine days away. It's next Friday. Uh, So, obviously, we will get you ready for that and keep you up to date with anything that goes down uh, with Utah Jazz. A weird story surfaced earlier today. This is uh, one our friend Gordon Monson would love. I don't know if you saw this, Porter, but a man faked his own death and then turned his funeral into what's being called a teach my family a lesson about staying in touch. He showed up via helicopter at his funeral, Mm. surprising his family and friends. Very Tom Sawyer-ish. I don't know. That feels like an aggressive step to teach, teach somebody a lesson. Yeah, uh, seems like a ploy for attention, and maybe that's why uh, your family didn't like you before. I don't know. Well said. Oh, you know what? I'm just seeing that he's a TikTok influencer, so oh, now so, we know why. Yeah, it's for attention, and uh, yeah, not 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 the move. Uh, really dumb, and maybe the second worst uh, dad move this week on the internet. Do you want to inform our listener who this listeners who or the single listener that we have? We'll do the smartest thing, uh, listener. Are you talking about the baby Gronk stuff? Oh my god! Okay, 
I know nauseating. We I know we don't have a ton of time here. We got to get out of here. I, I don't have a frame of reference for it. I just saw this podcast interview where the dad was like telling the host what to ask the kid and then telling the kid how to answer the question. What? Unpack this real quick before we say goodnight. Well, you know how sports media has kind of been overtaken by like a hundred different aggregator accounts that yep. just share the same BS all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, this little kid who's like eight years old kind of went viral. I don't know, last year or so, um, it, just you know, doing football stuff, uh, training stuff, and, and and just being like a cute little kid. Uh, come to find out, it is just his dad, literally direct messaging every person who's ever made sports content, trying to get them to platform him. And using, using, I want to say using and exploiting his son to get attention. Um, so again, kind of a, a, a similar, similar story there. Yeah. Just, uh, uh, dads trying to, to get attention, exploiting their young children. It's nice. Did you say he's eight? Uh, somewhere around. He's Ugh. not very old at all. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's embarrassing. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Yeah. You just feel bad for the kid in, in that situation. All right. Before we say goodnight, Porter, what comes our way? On a Thursday drive live at Beer Bar. Baby Gronk will join the show. Hell yes. And his dad. <laughs> I got a DM, so yeah, we're we're we're, we're platforming. Did that. you really get a DM? I don't think I did. I might have to go check though, because okay. I like if you go through sports media folks, it's like everybody did. Real quick, if he hits you up, tell him I will interview him, but not the kid. Ooh. And I just want to rake him over the coals okay. and tie him in knots and then set him loose. If That's he fair. does if he does hit you up. That's fair. We'll be at Beer Bar tomorrow, as you mentioned, live from Beer Bar. Chris, come, Ronnie, the latest in MLS, RSL, wherever you want to go with him. Richard Smitty Smith on site as well. And I've also talked our friend Andy Larson into dropping by the show. So you'll have a guest every hour sitting down with you at Beer Bar. Oh, very nice. That will be entertaining. You guys should come hang out on a Thursday. Uh, The weather's supposed to be okay, which means the patio most likely will be open They've got beers, 150 beers on tap. They've got over 50 bottles and cans, uh, fresh brats, fresh burgers. Their fries are insane. So we'll be there 2 to 6 tomorrow at Beer Bar. You guys should come by and say hello. With that, we'll say goodnight for a Wednesday show. And a very special thank you to Tony Jones, Tim McMahon, J.P. Chunga, Cam Rogers, and Elliot Ball. For any of the sound that you may have missed, website, ESPN700sports.com. Always there. For you to access any of the sound from any of the shows all day, and obviously you football and basketball sound, any of the stuff from Utah, uh, head to our app as well. Go to the App Store, search for the ESPN 700 app, download it. It's how I listen to the station. I take us on the go. Finally, specifically for what we do in the afternoons, our podcast page is the place for you. Uh, everything is up there. It's like a little menu. You can listen to whatever you want to listen to whenever you have time for it, uh, running some errands, walking the dog, doing some yard work, uh, whatever it is. Uh, and wherever you get shows, we're there. It's called The Drive with Spence Checkets. We would appreciate a rating, a review, follow, subscription, all the things we ask you to do because it does help us out. He's Porter. He produces it. My name is Spence, and I host it. Have a great Wednesday night. Talk to you on a Thursday drive live at Beer Bar. And as always, you can catch it right here on ESPN 700.